You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 196, Zayo Revisited, hosted by Dan Terry. Yeah, whenever they start that burn it down and walk away stuff, it's like, no, that mic's not Dan's mic. That's my mic now. Like that. <laughs> Buddy Reno. Yeah, it should just be every two years. That's what we do. I put both in and I just start screaming. Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> and Joseph Wren. By the way, Dan, just for reference, what is your favorite Zayo record today? Today? Oh, my goodness. I, I don't even know. I'm not going to answer. Sorry. You're going to have to. Well-intentioned virus. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if your favorite Zayo record this year is the well-intentioned virus, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. That is Buddy. Just calling it like I see it, dude. You want to talk about Zayo again? We're going to talk about Zayo again. Take it away, DFT. Oh my God, guys. So like this band has everything. You like uh, you like old school hardcore? They got the old school hardcore. You want a guy that sounds really, 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 really loud and screamy and can scream for like 78 seconds at one time? Yeah, this band has that or, you know, had that, but but still ki- kind of has that, right? You want you want to you want to hear a vocalist that sounds like he gargles razor blades for breakfast every single morning. This band has that too. Several versions of it actually. They also have other things like they don't they don't just have vocals. They actually have like bass and well sometimes they have bass and then sometimes <laughs> they have, they have drums and uh, occasionally, you know, like some guitar playing. Um, this is a band that is categorized by like very small men making very loud sounds. And I like that. I like that quite a bit. I mean, if you've ever if you've ever watched a video of Zayo in the Sean Jonas era, the dude is like as tall as my table standing up like on his tippy toes. He's a very small man, but he prov- he provides such a loud sound. <laughs> that it's hard I mean, to- it sounds like an, an atomic bomb going off, like, you know, comparatively speaking, talking about how small this dude is. <laughs> He's a very small man, but pr- provides very loud sound, much the same way my children are very small, but but provide extremely loud sounds, man. <laughs> like it's it gets a little bit out of control. Uh, it, it, it's no secret. It's no secret. Uh, Zayo is my favorite band of all time. Um, and, and do do I think that Zayo is for everybody? No, I don't think Zayo is for everybody. But I think that if anybody is correct, then Zayo is for them, like a hundred percent. So we're going to get into it. And, and this time, instead of just fanboying out for an hour or six hours or, or something of that nature, uh, I am actually going to try to be a little bit objective, uh, much the way we would be on any other episode of this show. No, he's not. Oh, I'm going to be. I'm going to be super objective. You just you just sit there and, and wait for me to hit the objectivity button. It's going to happen. What is the objectivity button? It's right here. It's in my beer. So, you know, it's, I'm sure it's in there somewhere. I just have to keep drinking until I find it. Yeah, but the more you drink, I think the more lovey-dovey you get. And so it's going to be going to be all uh, Zayo's the best ever. Well, I mean, we go on. <laughs> it's always going to be Zayo is the best if you're talking to Dan. And I admit there are times I agree. Is Zayo the greatest metalcore band of all time? I don't think Zayo is really metalcore anymore. I don't even know what genre you can truly apply to the band in 2020. But they definitely had some progressions through the years, starting with hardcore that was very much punk driven thrash driven i think one of my favorite quotes of all time regarding the early years of zeo was jesse smith on the lesser lights of heaven dvd where he talked about how the early records were basically 
rip off Metallica, rip off Master of Puppets, that sort of thing. But that's okay when it's the 90s and you're trying to play fast, power chord driven metal with the voice of Sean Jonas over the top of that. Fast forward to the mid 2000s. Yeah, they were basically just straight metalcore. Now they're just this dissonant onslaught of heaviness that is not for everybody, mostly because of Dan's vocals, but even now the instruments just start to sound dirty and they all go together and create these soundscapes of dirge. I love every second of it. And I'm amazed in 2020 that the band innovated and changed again. Soundscapes of dirge. I don't know why, but I feel like that needs to be the next album I release. Yeah, I like that Make phrase. Presented by DiscussMetal.com 2021. Soundscapes, Soundscapes of dirge. Have Buddy do vocals on that one. I'm just going to play keyboards. <laughs> that sounds like a losing combination right there. <laughs> That's the best I mean, naming convention, though. You get Doom Hammer. Soundscapes of dirge. It's so dirgy, I want to die. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But yeah, like this band is just, I feel like no matter which record you pick up by Zayo, um, this is kind of like a final thought, but it's totally not the only thought I'm going to share tonight. I think when people listen to Zayo for the first time, it doesn't really matter what record you pick up or, or what song you hear, your mind is going to be blown in some capacity. Whether that's the beginning of Splinter Shard, once again to strive, and you're like, oh, he sounds very, very, very angry. Um, or, you know, obviously when you hear Dan's like serpentine dragon, like you're fighting, like you're fighting Volvega in, in the in Death Mountain in the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, like that that's what it sounds like is that dragon, that hiss, you know, that, that hiss that it makes when you hit it right in the head with a megaton hammer. Um, you know. <laughs> very specific reference. <laughs> it's very specific, but it's, it is what I it is whatever I envision. Uh, it could have just been that I was listening to Blood and Fire when I was playing that because what's better to play the Fire Temple? That, what's better to listen to when listening to, when playing the Fire Temple than Blood and Fire? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's, there's exactly. both of those things in front of me while I'm hearing. But um, you mean you don't want to listen gonna... to the chanting that goes on in the original release of that game? Right. Well, they're they're. They're not the band that, like, because everybody largely credits Zayo for being the creators of metalcore as, as a genre. Uh, they're definitely not the guys that created it. Um, I think that, like most things, whoever created metalcore is probably some band nobody's ever heard of, you know, is, is probably the most realistic part of it. Yeah. And, um, but they will blow your mind the first time you hear them in, in some capacity. And that makes them super, super noteworthy to me. And I would think to anybody else, because I remember being terrified the very first time I heard Dan's voice. I mean, how could you not be? You know, it's, it's literally the scariest thing that you've that you've probably heard up to this point. Because, like, I'd heard, like, tough guy hardcore bands and, you know, like your Jamie Josta, you know, stuff or whatever. But, like, but Dan's voice is such a defining characteristic of that band. And it is absolutely a... Um, there are many... In, 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 there are many... In, uh, I can't even think of the word. There are many imitators, but nobody that can actually nail it the way that Dan nails it. Has that always been true? I think so. I mean, a lot of people think that like Jimmy from Haste the Day is probably the closest that we've gotten to seeing Dan or to, to being close to what Dan was doing in Zayo. Uh, but even then, like, I still feel like it's different. Um, I do think that Jimmy Ryan sounds a lot like Dan on the uh, on the Trenches album. That's probably like the closest I've heard 
to where you can listen to that Trenches album and be all like, oh, did, is is this just Zayo doing a neurosis thing? You know, because <laughs> it definitely sounds that way. And then, I'm, I'm, of course, I'm like, no, you idiot. Zay, they're not doing a neurosis thing. They did that already. It's called Liberate Te Ex Inference. And that record is so dirty. I can't wait to get into it. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. We're gonna get into it. We're gonna get into it hard. But uh, before that, we've got you know a little bit of our uh, a little bit of our housekeeping that we that we do on each episode. Talk about the things. Yeah, well, we already talked about home maintenance, so you know why not yeah. a little bit of housekeeping? I clean my I clean my kitchen today real good. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we listen to Dan not fanboy out for the next two hours about his favorite band of all time. I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com. We're on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, twitch.tv forward slash discussmetaldan for all your live streaming, gaming, and podcast recording awesomeness. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion Podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening, and now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. Oh, let me tell you all about five-star reviews. But, uh, you know, I'm uh, going to go. Gonna get, this, is, this is not a five-star review. Uh, we got a review <laughs> just a couple <laughs> days ago, uh, and this is from Pete Dunzo. He is D- not happy and is Dunzo with us. <laughs> he is Dunzo with us. So uh, gives us a one-star review on Apple Podcasts. He says, I can't believe this is real. <laughs> These guys say some of the dumbest things about music <laughs> that I've ever heard. So much so that I want to believe <laughs> that this is a complete trolling, but I don't think it is. I think this is just a group of musically ridiculous hipsters with bizarre opinions. Avoid. <laughs> uh, Thank you for your opinion, <laughs> Joe. Uh, Joe, am I? Am I? Are we hipsters? Uh, let me check my fedora hat collection and get back to you on that. Are you currently wearing your flannel underpants? No, I'm not. I mean, hold on. Maybe I let me hang on. Let me take a sip of my IPA just a second. Is that a local <laughs> IPA? Uh, n- no, actually, it's a it's a sellout IPA. It's a it's a leash in space dust. It's my it's kind of my signature beer. I mean, is he talking about my beer tastes or is it more like, um, I don't know, like the unicycle that I ride to work every day uh, because like I work in a um oh yeah i mean i because because i work in a, I work in a in a, an environment where you know I'm, I'm downtown and i serve people craft ipas as a waiter while wearing a monocle but i can't actually find my monocle right now so i'm a little worried about that like i can't find my monocle anywhere and i don't understand how i'm supposed to ride my unicycle Seems and the, the monopoly guy <laughs> well the other day the other day i couldn't find my game boy you know obviously game boy copyright 1989 game boy jeff's working on uh, my game boy right now hey y'all because i gotta play og tetris on my og game boy on my lunch break but i don't think that makes me a hipster like right i mean i think that makes you an old school gamer well we had that discussion while we were at the cd shop the other day you know drinking some coffee so oh that's right <laughs> and i think there were some i think there were some people reciting some poetry too while we were doing that i'm if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> In all seriousness, though, 
you know, thank you for leaving us a review. You know, like people people were like, oh, I can't believe that somebody would leave a review like that. Well, of course they did. We asked people to leave us reviews. I mean, like, like it, it totally makes sense. Uh, I don't realistically expect everybody to agree with what my opinion is uh, or, or to even like the show for that matter. Uh, really, what it comes down to for me is, number one, I'm glad you listened. I'm glad you gave us a chance. Uh, I'm sorry that uh, that our opinion seemed to have upset you enough to a degree to go on the Internet and say something negative about it. But uh, but I totally understand because I also am a guy that goes on the internet and says negative things about things that I don't like. So you know I'm gonna I, I'm gonna say thanks for the review and um, who knows man uh, maybe uh, maybe the future will give us a chance or not. But uh, if you don't, that's totally cool. But <laughs> in the spirit of what we're talking about here, uh, let us uh, let, let me just say that you can leave us a review on whatever podcasting app you're listening to us on. Um, I don't think you can review us on Twitch. But uh, you know, you can you can always try. Not really sure how that process works. But I mean, uh, very minimum, you can drop Dan a follow. So yeah, I mean, so just leave leave whatever kind of review you think we deserve. Uh, be that positive, negative, whatever. We will absolutely read it on the show, and uh, it will be amazing. And uh, in in the spirit of listener feedback and all that good stuff, uh, we got a YouTube comment. Now this is really really going back. A comment on episode one of discography discussion. The first Metallica. ever released Metallica. And I got to say, I absolutely love this handle on YouTube. So this comment is from the Hispandinavian. That's a, that's a name. That's brilliant. <laughs> yep. Hispandinavian says, I'm partial to the first three albums, talking about Metallica. They were my gateway drug into thrash and extreme metal in general. Like many fans, I'm guilty of having hated on Metallica for so-called selling out. Dude, me too. I totally get it. Like they're, like it or not, those guys are responsible for kickstarting the first thrash wave as we know it. Eventually, I was drawn to even more heavier bands like Creator, Sodom, Slayer, Exodus, etc., etc., um absolutely like absolutely and um i definitely 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 um i definitely agree and really appreciate that comment i also really appreciate you checking out episode one like way to start way to start right at the beginning i don't even know if you started there but if you did that's awesome you've got like almost 200 episodes to go so like definitely strap in tight because it's going to go some crazy places um I mean, we're 200 episodes in way better than we were. So I can only imagine it's been probably since we recorded it that I don't even remember how that how that episode even sounds. Well, we're (laughs) not quite 200 episodes in, buddy. That is coming very quickly. I'd like to say congratulations for listening to the first episode of the podcast. The one that Dan is in the most fear that everyone is still going to listen to because it was the first episode. It's going to sound the worst. It's going to be the worst discussion. We've had so many episodes since then. We've even revisited Metallica because Jared Montague, the former drummer of Taproot, his words, not mine, made us do it. He did. He did make us do that. I remember that now, but you know, I think it's fine. I think it's <laughs> beautiful. I think it's wonderful. Here we all are. How y'all doing? Over on Twitter, Gaseous Clay said, "Is there any chance of a Candiria episode? I didn't see it in the list, but I've been wrong before." Uh, I, you know what, uh, Gaseous Clay? I am not going to lie to you. Going to be just going to be real talk. We have not done a Candiria episode, so uh, your, your eyes do not deceive you. We have not dove into the greatness that is Candiria. Um, they are kind of a concept-heavy band, and um, well, I'm just going to say it: I'm not that smart, and so sometimes it's hard for me <laughs> to really absorb some of the great and higher concepts that Candiria is bestowing upon us. 
but never fear eventually i will get around to it and we absolutely have the band on the long list so you can expect a candaria episode probably sometime in 2021 if i'm being honest i can almost guarantee it's going to be sometime in 2021 yeah i'm thinking like what do you what february let's just make the schedule right now who even cares right <laughs> well because i mean in a couple of weeks here we got industrial december so absolutely industrial december i love it i love it i love it love it i can't wait to talk about god flesh i just can't wait it's like one of the best band names ever god flesh <laughs> and as we talked about on a patreon episode that probably isn't even out yet but uh so spoilers uh yeah we were talking about how we're going to be talking about god lives underwater but like that's like about poseidon right like it's got to be has to be has to be poseidon right why like, can't it be aquaman what other god lives underwater but no aquaman isn't like poseidon aquaman is king arthur underwater oh yeah absolutely and he what, talks does that, what does that have to do with zeo nothing at all but that's okay here we are i am so stoked and i can't believe it but joe's gonna ask me the question you're gonna ask me the question joe are you gonna ask it me are you gonna ask me let me take a sip of my coffee first and then we'll get right into it is it locally brewed coffee like actually yes I don't Ooh. know the source of the beans, but it is a local spice shop that roasts their own beans and does their own blend. And I don't buy it for that reason. I buy it because it tastes good and I like fresh beans. Is it a brewed with a Chemex? You know, a slow pour? Shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Dan can uh, confirm and probably posted it on Twitch when I wasn't looking. It actually was. <laughs> that's hilarious. So, Dan... Tell me about Zayo. Yeah, I thought you were me there for a second. Uh, Zayo. There's the beep. I haven't heard it in so long. Yeah, guess what? Ain't nobody getting bleeped on Twitch. So here, <laughs> here's the deal. Zayo is the greatest metalcore band of all time. There it and is. Over the next couple of, yes, over the next couple of uh, hours, days, weeks, months, years, I'm going to carefully explain to you why. So this band started off uh, back in like, I want to say 1993. Uh, there was this dude named Eric Reeder who felt compelled to tell people about Jesus Christ via hardcore music, super hardcore music. Now, Eric Reeder was definitely not the first guy to do this. <laughs> there was some dude named Steve Rowe in Australia that, you know, really, really took it too far in a couple places. But um, God rules. Obviously, Zayo was not the first Christian hardcore band, but for me, they kind of are. They're, they're one of the first Christian hardcore bands that I really took seriously. Like just saying saying those words out loud, like back then, probably seemed like the dumbest thing in the entire world. Eric got together with some dudes like Jesse Smith, who, according to him, didn't really even know how to play drums before joining the band, but then just sat down and could just sort of play. Uh, which is incredible. Um, and I mean, I have to believe him because nobody has given me a reason to not believe him. Uh, and then you've got a guy named Roy Gowdy, a guy named Mick Cox. And, um, and, and, and these guys were Zayo. And they put out a whole lot of, a whole lot of demos, a whole lot of seven inches that I do not have access to. At least I haven't had access to those songs until very recently. And uh, no, I don't have the seven inches, so don't send me a bunch of messages asking me to sell them because I don't have them. I'll take your money, but I will not send you a record. Uh, that's <laughs> got you. Yeah, it's a got him. That's a got him. Uh, but I do absolutely think that their beginnings were so insanely good that I, I can't like, I don't know, man. I absolutely just don't. I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it. 
<laughs> I just don't even know how to explain it, man. I wish <laughs> I had access to the early Zayo, whether it was living in that area and being able to go to those shows or at least listen to these early releases. It has since been released as preface. Yeah, the early recordings, 95 to 96. And they and sound like your friend's band that played live and made a cassette tape and gave it to you so you could listen to it at home. It's awesome. I love listening to stuff like this because it gives me a really good view into what was going to be All Else Failed. Yeah, I mean, I don't know where Dan went there. I'm here. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, I was really surprised because I hadn't heard any of these songs before. You know, obviously, I think most of us haven't before this album came out. And, you know, it's, it's just as solid as as anything that came after it with All Us Failed and Splinter Shards. Um, you know, I was really, really surprised. And I mean, it also helped that I'm sure that they touched these recordings up and made them, cleaned them up, made them nicer, you know, to sound. Um, and because it, it sounded really good in my ear. Um, I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd spin this, you know, and obviously I did. Because <laughs> I mean, it was a great listen. It's very interesting. I do like, I think- that, they, I do like that they included the song Deep uh, twice one recorded with Eric Reader and one recorded with Sean Jonas. Uh, so you can kind of compare and contrast. Yeah, it's super interesting because so like I had never really paid attention to these recordings before. So I had them, some of them anyway, uh, on a hard drive, uh, probably on an old laptop somewhere because I think it was on like hardcoreboards.com or something something along those lines. It was a, a whole uh, a whole message board dedicated to Zayo and people would share uh, old recordings, old MP3s, you know, the stuff you couldn't get a hold of. And I remember a lot of these songs being straight up unlistenable. Like they were, they were either too quiet and a lot of them were ripped from cassette. So they just didn't sound very good. So I never really got a good, a good read. No, no pun intended uh, on, <laughs> on your, your voice or what he really sounded like, you know, because to me, old Zayo is Sean, you know, and, and that's just the way it is. But apparently like Eric Reader had so much more to do with like all the lyrics that were written, the focus of the band, just the general direction, the decisions that they made. He was very much like, uh, like a like a all in one package frontman. And so when I'm listening to him sing on these songs, I think it's cool how in like the earlier recordings, Eric sounds like he's um, he he has more of like almost like more of a tough guy hardcore uh, sound to his voice. It's kind of like kind of like this, you know, like has a little bit of a swagger to it, you know, like that sort of thing. Yeah, it's uh, not really quite like screamy yet. It's a little more know? hardcore punk. Yeah, yeah, like like definitely like, got two feet planted in hardcore at that point. Well, speaking of feet, if I had to explain it in a really good way, I'd say he sounds a little bit like Mike Porter from uh, Six Feet Deep uh, on this, and uh, it's a very like like very similar. And I know Six Feet Deep was around at the time, so it's not crazy to think that that might have been an influence. Could be totally wrong. Have to have Eric on uh, on discuss metal sometime and hash some of this stuff out. Please but, uh, have I, that be a thing. I think I can make that happen. I think I made that make that happen. But uh, I think that it was one of those. Uh, I think it's one of those situations where he was absolutely the band leader, and he wrote a lot of the lyrics. I know a lot of the lyrics, even that were on All Else Failed, were that were sung by Sean, were actually still written by Eric Reader. Um, so it's really cool kind of hearing some of the uh, like, because I feel like there's parts of that song. I think it's called like Nobbin. Uh, and like, obviously, that song is um, has like a few parts in it that went on to be other Zayo songs. Uh, like, I think one of them, I think there was a part in it that went right into exchange. 
Um, but I just absolutely thought that this was such a cool time capsule for this era of Zeo. Because one thing I complain about about the early Zeo is that like there's not enough of it. Like you have all else failed, and then you have splinter shards, and then it's kind of like th there's always a part of me that wants to know what the band would have sounded like now had that band continued. Yeah, I'm really curious about that because um, they were they were definitely you know in that <clears throat> excuse me they were definitely in that realm of you know hardcore so like you know i'm pretty positive they wouldn't have ended up in the direction that that they did i wonder you know maybe they would have you know um probably transitioned more in i could imagine that they probably would have grown a little bit more metalcore just because that's the way you know a lot of like early 2000s and stuff started to go but you know they were very much like hardcore you know singers and stuff like that so i can't imagine it going as deep into metalcore as they eventually went um yeah, absolutely. And I think that, like, it's interesting, too, to hear. So Sean Jonas did an interview on uh, Brian Patton of As the Story Grows. He did a, a podcast interview. And um, basically, Sean said, like, even whenever he was, like, doing those final tours with Zayo, that, like, his voice had started to get much deeper and much more, like, growlier. Because, like, he's, he's more or less kind of, like, high-pitched on those early recordings. And I love that. I, I love that sound. I think it, it's very unique. Uh, but he was talking about how he had gotten deeper and deeper and deeper. And so that always answers the question of like, whenever Sean reemerges in Symphony in Peril a few years later, uh, he's like an absolute beast. <laughs> you know, yeah. like just as just like so deep, so guttural. So I mean, maybe maybe that's the answer. Maybe Symphony in Peril is what Zayo would have become if Sean Jonas would have carried the band forward, you know? But that's what's interesting, because, like, you listen to that Symphony in Peril record and you hear influences from the later Zayo yeah. <laughs> in there. So, like, it's such a it's such a weird uh, sort of sort of time paradox, I guess. Yeah, um, it's like Zayo ended up influencing itself, you know, because, uh, I mean, you know, when they come out with Blood and Fire Bring Rest, uh, that... You know, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here, but you know, it uh, it affected I think music in general in such a grand way that I think you know we probably won't ever really know. You know, because Zayo's always been that band that was too Christian for the non-Christians and too non-Christian for the Christians. You know, yeah. and, but there's always people who still listen to them and drew influence from that. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty clear from many different genres of music. Yeah, dude, I totally agree. But yeah, to get back to this this first, uh, the, or not, it's not really their first record, but this uh, preface album, um, it is really cool hearing Eric's voice singing those songs. I think he sings them with, because uh, I thought, I think Sean sounded passionate, like as, as could be, like, like he wrote every word, but um, Eric really sounds like he's feeling it. Every, you know, everything that he screams, like he sounds awesome. Like, I, I think that like, if Eric had been the singer on Splinter Shards and All Else Failed, uh, I probably would still feel the same way about the band as I do now, you know? Um, and I can totally understand why they pulled Sean in uh, whenever Eric quit, because so his the, the vocals on the earlier demos sound like a little bit deeper, a little bit more tough guy hardcore. But then like by the time you get to this song, I think it's called Security. Eric sounds a lot like Sean uh, as it goes. He starts doing that higher pitched like scream. 
and he starts sounding a lot more like Sean Jonas. And um, I just think that that's really cool because that's about the time where Sean ended up picking up the torch and just kind of carrying it. So, like, in a way, he still kind of continued the work that Eric had kind of already set in place, you know. And um, it's I mean, honestly, in a lot of ways, it's like one of the best vocalist replacements I think (laughs) I've heard uh, in, in a long time as far as keeping the sound of the band basically the same. You know, um, it, that's just that's not something that we really run into that often. And I think it's super, super cool. 1995. All else failed. Oh, boy. All else failed is I mean, as far as in Christian music goes, it is considered an all time classic, like a hardcore like masterpiece. And if I'm being honest, I don't necessarily know if it's that. I think sometimes I think sometimes nostalgia goggles are really in place here because I think the record sounds really good. And my version of the record sounds especially good uh, in that I just recently bought like the holy crap edition of the CD, not CD, the vinyl. Um, I got this like like this double LP at 45 LPM, like audiophile version of All Else Failed. And uh, I mean, it sounds incredible, man. It sounds like Sean Jonas is like standing on my desk, screaming right into my face. You know what I mean? Like it is. I mean, that's the dream, isn't it? <laughs> that's what you want, right? Like when you're listening to this, um, you want Zayo to be playing your basement show, you know? And um, they bring it on this record. All of the songs that you've heard on the demos, at least most of the content ended up being recycled into All Else Failed in some way. Uh, with some newer stuff thrown in there. And uh, Sean Jonas' vocals are desperate. They're extremely passionate, super in your face. This is this is the most Christian version of Zao, <laughs> you know, uh, without a doubt. There's no, there's no second guessing what this band is all about uh, and why they're there <laughs> and what they're there to do. Um, I mean, some of the songs are all times all time classics. Uh, the song um, Resistance is still like one of my favorite songs of all time. Uh, just because, like, I mean, it's funny because the way Buddy and I really started being serious about Zayo, uh, we were listening to the All Else Failed re-record, and we heard the song Resistance. And we're like, oh, that song's really, 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 really cool. And like, we loved that song for a long time, but then I, I heard the original version of it, and that one was still a banger and, and still awesome. Yeah. And now, I mean, you know, I, I don't even think about that re-recorded version anymore. Like now it's just, it's the original or nothing. Oh man. I still love both of them. Like I, I like, I like juggling them back and forth. Uh, Cause that, the, the remaster that they did for all else failed. Um, not talking about the Dan recorded one, but just the, you know, new one that they came out with where they uh, remastered the original one with Sean Jonas. Uh, that, that it sounds great. It sounds awesome. And it's, it's got it because it's a it's a more hardcore you know type of vocal it gives the songs a different feel as opposed to when dan records it um it has you know a a different feel for those songs and so i like having both of them and bouncing them back and forth and there's spots where i'm like looking through the lyrics and i'm hearing them in my head and some parts i'll hear dan singing it some parts i'll hear sean singing it yeah this is the earliest Zayo that we had for a really long time. Like Dan, I bought the remastered version of this record when it came out last year, I believe. It was a couple years ago, yeah. But I've had the CD version of this for a very long time. I am not going to tell you that this does not sound better remastered in 2018, but it never really sounded dirty to me. And... 
between the two records of Splinter Shards and All Else Failed, I prefer All Else Failed. It sounds a little bit better produced. It sounds a little bit better as an entire product. It doesn't hurt Splinter Shards that some of the songs are re-records from All Else Failed. Again, the Lesser Lights of Heaven DVD, we've heard the story about how it had to be done. But Splinter Shards is more of a immediate sounding record. It tells me that the band live was cohesive enough and they had energy. All else failed is just the first time you heard Zayo on a recorded media. Sounds like the 90s, it sounds thin, but it has the punk rock charge, the thrash influence charge. We're just stomping forward. It just happens to have Sean Jonas barking at the microphone like no one ever has. <laughs> to me, it's one of the best starting points you can have in a discography, and it wouldn't stay like this for very long. No, it wouldn't. And I think you're right. Like there, There's times where I'll go back to All Else Failed because like I love Splinter Shards, which you know we'll get into. Uh, but like All Else Failed sounds a little bit cleaner, I think, than, than uh, and of course this could just be me hearing the remasters. Maybe it wasn't that clean. I unfortunately was never able to obtain a copy of the original CD release of All Else Failed, so I don't really know what to compare it to. But uh, as far as what I've heard, it just sounds a little bit cleaner. It's not it's not all beefed up, you know. And uh, I really enjoy it. Yeah, really, really. I mean, um, nope, I lost my train of thought. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> well, yeah, like so, I really enjoy it in the sense that like. It's super, super heavy, super aggressive, but like the band also isn't necessarily as tight as they would become. And so it adds a certain uh, level of, it adds a certain level of like uh, consistent, like not consistency, but like originality to it. Like, the, you know, the, it, there, there are parts that are a little bit sloppy, especially on some of the songs where you'll hear them re-recorded for Splinter Shards later on. They're a lot tighter on Splinter Shards. This one's a little bit looser, but I think that also makes it a little bit more hardcore, a little bit more punk rock. Yeah. And I think something that was also different about them uh, is that you hear you go back and hear a lot of like, you know, hardcore from the 90s and stuff. And it's all, you know, in your face, hard driving constantly. But Zale wasn't afraid to, you know, stop and slow it down and put in transition pieces, you know, or things like that. Uh, and it made those other parts punchier. And other, you know, hardcore bands really weren't doing that very much. Um, and I think that's also because, you know, the guys in Zayo were probably better musicians than the average, hard, you know, hardcore band, I would imagine. Because uh, to basically let go of the power chord and play some, you know, softer, you know, more intricate bits, you know, take some talent. So I think that also showcased how good they were. Are we ready for the Splinter Shards? Well, I, what I want to share real quick, real, real, real quick is a story that uh, that Marty Lunn actually um, shared on the Zayo Lesser Lights of Heaven DVD, uh, where he basically was like, so we had all these bands in Pittsburgh. We asked Zayo to come out and play, and we wanted to show them, you know, like, we're a big deal here in Pittsburgh. You know, like, we're, we're, we're the big band on the block here in Pittsburgh. We're, you know, we're awesome. So he's like, so we all got up there and sound checked in front of them just to show them how awesome we were, you know. 
he's like, and then and then Zayo got up and absolutely blew every single local band completely out of the water. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and it's funny because I've been there. I like I've seen I, I've seen stuff like that happen at local shows, and it's just it's hilarious. You've seen uh, the local band come up and just own the show. Then you've seen the out of town band come in and just the aura of it being an out of town artist sets them apart from the local acts local bands especially when we were playing music it's kind of an unspoken friendly competition you're not trying to put the other guys down but you are just trying to step a little bit higher than everybody else in the room it's all in good fun everybody has a good time everybody plays the show but then you have the out-of-town artist that comes in and they have a reputation that may exist in the general populace it may exist only in their head but something about that band coming to your town they just have an aura about them and i have no doubt that zeo getting up there doing something that nobody else was doing was met with the same oh shit we're on a different level than they are and we are not that high in the hierarchy tonight yeah yeah i mean i've been that local band before they watched the out-of-town band just totally be amazing and uh you know, it's, uh, it's it's very 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 humbling like for sure 1997 the splinter shards the birth of separation oh my goodness <laughs> i mean what else is banger what else is there to say once again two strong <laughs> over and over again i mean oh my god like this record comes out swinging i mean just this is this is like the fully realized zeo this is this is when they have been like touring for a little while that you know like they're confident you know they're confident that they are going to absolutely wreck any audience that's watching them you know like a hundred thousand percent and like, oh my God, like this, I mean, that's that's kind of the theme of the record, right? Um, yeah, t- Times of Separation, oh my goodness. And like, it showcases everything that Zayo was about. This is by far their most like technical work up to this point. There are so many different aspects to these songs, how they'll go in like 400 different directions. This band does not play a chorus. They do not play anything that you're like used to as far as traditional song structure goes. It's just it's it, it's my favorite thing about old school hardcore slash metalcore is all right guys we're gonna play this for twenty three seconds and then we're gonna change over to this other thing and then we're gonna jump into this other thing oh and then we're gonna go into this cool part okay oh it was melodic for a second okay well now it's not you know like it just oh my goodness yeah it, it is so cool like there there's this weird where they're just playing there's there's like at least four or five seconds in this first song where they're just basically screwing around with like pinch harmonics and it's like what are you guys doing right now like did, like is that supposed to be lead guitar work i don't care it sounds cool like i'm into it it's supposed to be a noise that augments the riff and the chug that is getting you into the show it's that noise maker when you've been playing for less than 60 seconds and you have to get everybody that's not paying attention paying attention and you have to get everybody that is paying attention to start fucking moshing and mosh they did sean's voice on this record it's different than it is on all else failed like it really is he is screaming now from like the pit of his stomach and like just (laughs) letting out these like like letting out these like long long just like vomits of 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 just uh, like i mean just 
it is so intense at times that like I just imagine that he had to have he definitely had to have some vein popping going on in the forehead, right? Like he that had to be happening. Um, but according to people that saw the band live, Sean would just go over up to the microphone and like be screaming the loudest thing ever. But it would just look like some dude standing there, like totally normal with his mouth open, doing the arm behind like, the back. Yeah. Well, we all did that. I mean, that's that's a, <laughs> that's a hardcore vocalist thing. You can, <laughs> you if, if, that. Yeah. If you're YouTube savvy, you can actually find find video of me doing that. Like it, it, it happens. I'll post a uh, link to that in the show notes. <laughs> It's just something. About, it's just something about like I don't know, like pushing, just like I don't know, like you're pushing your lung back in or something. I don't know. I don't know what yeah. it is, but it's uh, it's super cool. Like this record is absolutely amazing. I wouldn't say this record is technical, but it is very tight. And the wrong type of listener would complain about the shift in audio quality. All else failed is a very bright record. Splinter Shards is a very dark record. I'm under the impression this is what a lot of the Tooth and Nail recorded albums sounded like at that time. They all had this general sound of mid-range, scooped, mid-low, high mids, and it just sounds dirty. It doesn't sound clean. It sounds like the band is mic'd up. It sounds like they're playing through a PA, and this is just something we captured off the board. But in the context of Zayo... There is nothing wrong with that. If this is what the band sounds like when they play live, I'll take my ticket now, please. When are they coming back? Next week? I'll take two tickets. Yeah, I think that helps the, uh, you know, the aspect of the band, like just the way it sounds, because it has that raw quality to it, which I think helps the overall, um, you know, feeling that they want you to get. Totally. And like, I think that the band is significantly like the sound is significantly beefed up between between splinter shards and all else failed uh, it might sound kind of hokey now like when we're listening to it in in 2020 like you you can tell that it's like just beefier because it's like more raw like maybe it wasn't recorded as well or whatever but at the same time it was recorded better in the sense that they were in like a like a for real studio <laughs> like for this one and um, you know it had all those sweet sweet tooth and nail records bucks behind it you know and uh, yeah. so i mean it, it has a higher production value than all else failed but it it, it is much more raw uh in a way it's like uh it's like the fear of the old zeo right um and i think that like this record i i love listening to it and i actually most of the time if i want to listen to the to the sean era of zeo i'm gonna listen to um I'm, I'm gonna listen to splinter shards probably over all else failed just because of how it comes out of the gate swinging it's got all my favorite songs from All Else Failed on it already, so there's not really a reason. <laughs> yeah, we we have three versions of Resistance now. <laughs> we do. We absolutely do. And uh, I think that, like overall, like it is absolutely just a just a tour de force. Like this band would have only gotten better as they went. Like this was like I, I understand why why Tooth and Nail signed them because like they were they were on track to being like the next big uh hardcore band in that scene and they were that but not necessarily in the way that people were expecting you know and they left a, they definitely left a legacy behind them and i like i still listen to splinter shark to this day to this day i got the vinyl re-release recently um that you know sold out in like i don't know a few minutes uh was able to snag one of those and um i gotta say the re-release 
Uh, I complain a little bit sometimes that my Splinter Shard CD sounds kind of muddy. Like it's just a little bit like it's a little bit crudded up. Absolutely. But when you listen to that vinyl, it absolutely, for whatever reason, and this is not because it's on vinyl. Like I'm not here to die on that hill. Uh, This record was absolutely like remixed, remastered for vinyl. So it's going to sound better than the original recording. And a lot of that mud that I'm talking about is completely gone uh, on this release. And I think that it, it absolutely benefits the record like a thousand percent. I think it's awesome. 1998 would come very soon, but the band would change before the next album. Now, it's been a long time since I watched uh, the Lesser Lights of Heaven uh, DVD. I don't remember. Uh, did they, Do they talk about why Sean Jonas left the band? Well, it wasn't just Sean that left the band. Basically, you've got the band that recorded Splinter Shards. They're touring. I think at one point they even added an extra guitarist. Uh, so, like, that was probably awesome. Like, super duper heavy, right? But I think one of the biggest things is that, like, these guys, and, and this is something that I've, I've experienced a lot in the quote-unquote Christian scene. Uh, you have a lot of people that are, in, that are in a band, and some of them are super, super, like, super evangelical like i can think of a guy off the top of my head right now i won't mention his name but um you guys know who i'm talking about where they're (laughs) completely they're completely into something they're completely dedicated to it but then over time it turns into like they care obviously they care more about the ministry than they care about the band and that is also like why that's partially why eric reader left the band originally um, it's, it's, there, there, there's some guys in this scene that for whatever reason will sit down with everybody and be like, Hey guys, I was talking to Jesus. He told me that I need to leave the band, <laughs> you know? Um, and I think it was, it was, it was very much like that. They don't get into the reasons exactly too much. I know Sean says on the DVD that like he was just, uh, in the band and touring and that he had felt a strong calling from God that he needed to leave and focus more on ministry. Uh, which is what he inevitably ended up doing, uh, which is fine. You know, it is what it is. Um, but he quit the band, and basically everybody ended up quitting the band except for Jesse Smith. Like, that that was just it. So you've got a drummer just sitting there, and he's like, guys, guys, anybody home? <laughs> like, what's what's going on here? You know, like, uh, and so at some point, Jesse ends up telling, you know, telling everybody, like, okay, I know you guys are leaving. You guys want to leave, blah, 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 blah. I hope you don't care. But like, if you guys all decide to leave the band, I'm going to keep it going. And so he found some new band members and ended up like basically just taking it. Like it wasn't a one man show. Found a, found a new guitarist, found Brett Detter. Apparently it's Detter, not Detar. Uh, I really wanted to be yeah, Detar though. Saying that wrong for years. I know because I just because I want to say you know Detar played the guitar. You know, like I've always wanted to say that, but it's incorrect, so it's not funny. Uh, but like he, so he gets Brett, and then um, they ask Dan uh, to be in the band, and uh, Dan pretty much says like I'm not going to be in the band unless Russ is in the band. Uh, not all that different than the way me and Joe have done everything our entire lives. Um, I remember a long time ago, many, many, many moons ago, uh, Buddy and that guy that I was talking about earlier asked me to be in a band. And I was like, yeah, I'll be in the band, but I'm not going to be in the band unless Joe's in the band, too. <laughs> you know, so it was one of those like that's not the story those, he told me. 
Well, no, I wanted to sound like a cool guy. Uh, I told you you a different story. Um, Dude, this band, they need somebody that can play guitar like really good. Uh, All right. right, So why are you telling me? (laughs) I I know, right? I know. I know. Totally. I mean, Uh, we're basically the three stooges because you start bringing one of us in and eventually the other two show up. Hey, we let Shemp come too sometimes. Well, what's super interesting about this for me is you would think dude's getting the band together and he's going to want to put like, cause this is what I would do. I would try to find band members that played and sounded aesthetically like the band that came before. So that whenever we put out another release, people aren't going to think it's weird. And the people that liked the last album are probably going to still like the new album. Like that's, that's the idea behind it, you know, but it, you know, it just, it is what it is. Right. Uh, instead, he gets a vocalist that I mean, I think at the time they weren't really sure how he how Dan was going to work out like as the singer, um, because apparently the only vocals that he had done because he was predominantly a bass player, I think, whenever he was in his old band seasons in the field and um, he, he played bass and he did like backup screams. Right. Um, and so they really, I think, didn't have like a good read, but they ended up asking him anyway to be on, you know, to be in the band. And then Russ comes in and, you know, Russ is just like a insane guitar player, like uh, non-conventional is probably the word that I would use to describe it. And um, for whatever reason, it was the it was absolutely the this combination of people that created a sound that I don't think anybody was really ready for. 1998, where blood and fire bring rest. Oh, my God. 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 This is it, people. This is Zayo has arrived. <laughs> uh, this record is absolutely mind blowing, and not just mind blowing for 1998. If you've never heard Zayo before, stop this live stream. I don't know how you do that, but but stop it and uh, go listen to Zayo. Except it's live, so you know, yeah, yeah, it, it's live, so it is what it is. But I'm just saying, like. Don't stop the live stream, but go listen to Blood and Fire, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Zayo would tell you that they didn't invent metalcore, but this is the Zayo sound to me. This is the core of a band that would one day release the well-intentioned virus. This is it. This is what you're listening to when you listen to Zayo. As much as I love the previous band, this is the sound. This is the dirge, and we love it. And Dan has his vinyl, and he's going to talk about it. Three, two, one, go. Okay, guys. So you like uh, you like gurgle vocals? I mean, maybe you didn't before this, but you do now. Um, it is. It is. Nobody was expecting this. Like this voice, this sound. Uh, first of all, let's let you know. Let's 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 tease a little bit here. Uh, let's talk about the guitar playing number one okay this record so heavy like this is not like a crunchy like you know thumpy hardcore record not like splinter shards was splinter shards is a classic i love it it's wonderful all the things blood and fire on the other hand is a extremely dark evil sounding dissonant heavy record this is not about the heaviness of the breakdowns. This is this is about the the pure chaos and the absolute buzzsaw ripping of flesh guitar tone <laughs> that is on display here. 
And the vocals, well, they also rip your flesh because the vocals are also a buzzsaw. This entire record, if it could be described with one word, it's buzzsaw. And yes, I know that's two words combined into one word, but I think I think it's appropriate here. This is a buzzsaw, just saw your head in half sort of record. It is yeah. completely devoid of anything that's going to make you feel comfortable. Yeah, and I mean, you know, can you imagine having listened to, you know, Splinter Shards and you're like, all right, yeah, the Newsday record's out. I'm going to go get it. You go grab it. You put it in and the first song pops up and it just, it has those uh, that like, intro where it's just speaking and you're excited to hear the new vocalist you still haven't heard them yet you know and it takes like that what 30 seconds to a minute before dan actually comes in and just changes the face of metal for the rest of forever yeah i mean it doesn't change the face of metal necessarily this is an interesting well, thing. for me, I guess. <laughs> well, this this is an interesting situation where a band is doing something that nobody else had really tried to do before. So they're taking the hardcore of the day, but then they're also pulling uh, influences from like like European metal, like that that growly, heavy, like carcass type of vocal. You know, maybe even like. <sighs> We could throw some early like in flames in there, some dark tranquility, some at the gates. Like vocally, that was like basically Dan was doing a metal thing where everybody else was doing a hardcore thing, you know, and they're absolutely like just hitting on all cylinders. But then imagine that you're a Christian youth group kid that kind of likes heavy music, and then somebody's like, Hey, listen to this. Because a lot of people, a lot of people put this record and Living Sacrifices Reborn uh, up against each other as being like the most extreme. And I think they absolutely are like both super extreme in their own way. But if I had to pick a record to take to a desert island between Blood and Fire and Reborn, it would be Blood and Fire every single time. Uh, Just because it is intense on a level that I think Living Sacrifice was super heavy, super intense or whatever. But people that were listening to Living Sacrifice were already basically into metal, like traditional metal, whereas Blood and Fire isn't really that. It's a closer representation of metal core, I think, than, at least that year, uh, than, than anything Living Sacrifice was doing. Um, and all of that being said, I love, I love the first six or seven tracks on Blood and Fire. Like, let me just be real here. Uh, I do love this record. I think it's great. I think it's, I think it's groundbreaking. I think it's all the things that people say about Blood and Fire. I think the third, I think the, the, I, I, there, there's like two tracks right before the latter rain that I could kind of do without, like they kind of bore me a little bit and I'm not saying that to be controversial or be a musical hipster. I guess I could just look at the record. Yeah. So it's 15 Rima and, uh, four four fired. Fired. yeah, like those songs kind of, kind of slow the, uh, slow the pace down for me, uh, at least a little bit. And again, this is a 10 track record. I like eight out of the 10 songs. I mean, it's still a winner anyway, you slice it, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but, but it is, it is distinctly a Zayo record where I'm like, it's really, 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 really good. Really, 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 really good. But I don't think it's necessarily as great as what is to come. It's a good starting point for where you're going to end up very soon. And even though there's a couple deviations on the way, where the band is now, this is a good window into where you're going. This is the start of the journey. Yeah, and I mean, 8 out of 10, you know, is not bad. I mean, I guess technically you can't count 10 because it's an instrumental, but it's still a really good one. Um, yeah. You know, it's a great way to end the record. 
Um, but yeah, I agree that like, you know, 15 Rima is always one of those ones that, you know, every time I hear it come on, I know it's on because it has such a weird bouncy, you know, beat to it. Um, so you just you hear it, you know it. And I usually end up kind of skipping that one, too. Uh, for a fair desire, I don't end up skipping too much. I, I still like that one. But yeah, I agree with the, the latter half of the record is not nearly as strong as the first half. I want to pause real quick and respond to Twitch and just say hello to Daygore. I'm glad that you're joining us on this journey through Zeo tonight. I appreciate it. I love that you're watching it. Let me know if we say anything totally, totally off base because we're probably going to at some point. Oh, it's Josiah Heiberg. Never mind. Screw him. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Josiah, you the man. You the man. <laughs> Josiah, Josiah has been listening to this podcast for a very long time. And so I'm 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 happy to to have him here live with us. 1999 Liberate TX Inferis. Bro, it's like it's like save yourself from hell, right? Like so it's like it's like still Christian, right? Right? Guys? Guys? If you believe the record label who modified the presentation of this album, this is some Dante's Inferno multiple layers of hell thing. I mean, it's got clips in it from Event Horizon, and it is a dark, dirty, dirge-sounding record that has some really cool songs. Savannah is in here. Autopsy is in here. Skin Like Winter is in here. There is no reason why you would ever have clapping on this type of metalcore song, but Zayo has it, and it's amazing. It works so well. It's weird how it works, but I mean, I, you know, we talk about how the, you know, where Blend Vire had that buzzsaw sound. This, I think, amps that up to an even greater degree. This is a buzzsaw inside of a sawmill with other saws running around it, and you're trying to pay attention to the log passing through because we got to make sure that edge is just perfectly skewed because it's Zeo. It's not going to be a straight line. It's going to take some turns. It's going to turn left enough times to turn right. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, when you start listening to Savannah, when that track kicks in and the guitar tone starts happening, like you can feel how sharp that sounds. It's such a great guitar tone. And if I'm not mistaken, this is when uh, Brett Detter, we saying that right? Uh, he had left from the band when Blood and Fire ended. And so this is now Scott Mellinger that has joined at this point. Yeah, so Brett's gone on this record and you get Scott in and um, again, a huge song, a huge sound from a small man. And I love it. I love it so much. Uh, so Scott brings to the table. Um, Scott brings to the and I'm not making fun of Scott. It's just funny. Like whenever I whenever I we finally met up in person, I was like, I was like, oh, wow. OK, he looks taller on TV, right? Like. Um, it's the Sylvester Stallone. Like, he'll still kill you, but, like, you know, smaller than you thought. Um, same with Bruce Fitzy from Living Sacrifice. I did not think I'd be taller than that dude. Because uh, I, I just imagined that he was, like, 12 feet tall. And, you know, Absolutely. Like, like, <laughs> made, made a radiation. <laughs> yeah, was going to eat me alive. Uh, you know, but, like, yeah, Scott's in here. And so what you get with Scott is a much more sludgy kind of neurosis type of, uh, of sound out of the band and uh can confirm that it actually was neurosis because uh you know we talked with scott about neurosis on this podcast um and we we tried to keep it about neurosis but it ended up being mostly about zeo because it's discography discussion how you doing in case you know we've never met 
but I can absolutely say that like his addition to the band is absolutely critical uh, to the band's sound. I think what Brett did on Blood and Fire was cool, but uh, in Scott's own words, a lot of the weird, crazy, chaotic, dissonant stuff was all Russ. And that like is a Russ. point I want to get out of the way right now. I know Zao historically is a drama-laden band. It seems like drama always gets a hold of Zao. And it's not their fault. It just seems to happen. And there was a time where a lot of people, and I'm sure it still happens, were saying that Zeo sounded the way they did on Liberate because Brett basically wrote all the songs on Blood and Fire. And talking to Scott, we've gotten clarification. And I definitely don't want to get into who did what because they've never told us who did what. But according to Scott, that sound that everybody attributes to these early records, that dirgy dirtiness, that conflicting guitar chords that go together and move in different directions, a lot of that was Russ's influence. And that makes sense because Dan, the way he applies his vocals to these songs, it sounds like he came in with Russ, which is actually what happened. And the sound of the band changed. And moving forward, when Scott and Jesse wrote the records together, the sound changed again. And now that Russ is back in the band full-time, the sound changed again. So it makes more sense to me as a listener looking back on it historically where those influences came from, but I don't care. The record sounds great. I don't care who said do what. The records are great, and Liberate is the logical follow-up to the previous album. It's dirty, more it's dirgy more it's a pain to listen to the first few times you listen to it and you love every second of it because the songs are tight the riffs are tight it just it makes you feel uncomfortable but not like listening to grindcore (laughs) (laughs) i think it's pretty key too noting that like a lot of the you know dissonance and stuff comes from rust because you know, uh, before I really like completely paid a hundred percent attention to like who's in the band when and where and why, um, I would, you know, pick out like what my favorite albums were. And coincidentally, they all happen to be the ones that Russ was involved in, uh, is typically the albums I end up enjoying. Um, you know, so that might be something that, you know, as you start going through listening to all these albums, you'll pick up on different things and maybe that'll stick out to you. Yeah, I mean, you end up liking a lot more Rust than you thought that you that you liked. You know what I mean? Like that you didn't really could attribute to one person. Um, but I think it makes sense, like because obviously these guys had a for neurosis, uh, because you can hear all of that. You know, there there's there's a sludgier mood. It's a darker record than Blood and Fire. It's not as hopeful. And um, I think that like there's something that you brought up on the original Zao episode, buddy, that I actually am a big enough nerd that I listened to. Uh, before we did this one to make sure we didn't just <laughs> Miss have the exact verbatim conversation that we did before. But like, basically like this, this record makes so much sense in the context of Zeo as far as having like that metal scraping on metal sound. Yeah. Of the guitar tone. It is so like unnerving to listen to. It's like Freddy Krueger following you around. You know, or if that's not copyright safe, it could be Scary Terry, right? Um, (laughs) But like, I mean, it's somebody chasing after you and scraping a metal object 
you know, against a wall or another metal surface or something. It's creepy. This record creeps on you. You don't know how right you are. And I'll be happy to demonstrate the next time you're in studio. Your guitar sounds a very specific way if you swap out flexible picks for hard plastic picks for, yes, steel cut picks. You get a sound that cannot be replicated with effects. And clearly whoever mixed this record just had that dirty sound in their ears and they liked it but yeah it's it's a real thing to have metal scraping on metal and create this just disgusting saw-laden sound the uh the sound clips the movie clips from event horizon on this record add to the level of horror that's going on anyway I mean, this record starts off with like a very somber intro track, which is funny because like I usually hate intro tracks and I'm like, oh, yeah, well, way to pad the album out to get to 10 songs, buddy. You know, not you, buddy, but, you know, the the general buddy. But like general buddy, absolutely (laughs) reporting for duty. But like, I do think that like this band wanted to be neurosis really bad. And they got away with it because a lot of like their Christian audience at the time hadn't really heard Neurosis, <laughs> you know, like they weren't <laughs> listening to it because like I was I bought into it like hardcore as like a guy that listens to Christian hardcore and metalcore and stuff. It's like this is like the most original thing I've ever had. And it changed me. And that's still very much true. <laughs> you know, what's it, funny, it, though, is like it. It still hadn't caught with us yet by the time this one came out. We we ended up jumping on the bandwagon a lot later, but then yeah, once we, we went got back once to the punk its teeth into us, we went back through. Uh, best songs on this record, uh, definitely um, A Dark Cold Sound. Uh, I really, really, sorry, it's a Dark Cold Sound, not A Dark Cold Sound. <laughs> you know, but uh, d- Dark Cold Sound, Autopsy, Skin Like Winter, if these scars could speak, it's all incredible. So you know how I said Blood and Fire was like a solid eight out of ten. Liberate is basically a solid nine out of ten for me. I even like the creepy outro track. If there was one song that I have any issue with at all, it's Desire the End, uh, which is a song that I feel like kind of goes on a little bit longer than it probably should have gone on. Uh, to the point where I'm like, yeah, wow, yeah, I, I also desire the end. I desire the end of this song because it's just <laughs> going it on and there. on. And I think that I think that the band probably thinks that as well. And because I've never heard them play it live. Uh, now they play the Ghost Psalm live, which is incredible. You you haven't lived until you've seen Zayo play the Ghost Psalm live, because you have this whole crowd of people, and then the sound cuts out. It becomes dead silent in in the venue or wherever you're at. And you you hear everybody whispering, time to go one last look, one last touch, goodbye to those I love. Like it is it is it is a spiritual experience. Like it's it really so is. And lately when they've been playing live, I know Jeff has been like actually adding he has like a sound clipboard similar to what Joe has going on, um, where he can play the actual sound clips. So like I remember seeing them play that song. They played it as the encore at a show I saw them at in Indianapolis. Um, all the lights in the venue went out. It went dead silent. And then you just hear, you want to make a deal? A deal with the devil? And then the place just literally explodes. Oh man, I mean, that like, would be so awesome. Yeah, it was it was one of the best experiences. Like 
Like it, because up to that point, I was like, man, I drove five hours. This better be awesome. And of course it was. I mean, it was absolutely, <laughs> it was absolutely worth the five hour drive. Like, like 10 out of 10 would do it again. You know, like, oh man. Yeah. And you can't get, you can't forget Savannah either. I mean, because that just comes out of the gate swinging just like, uh, you know, uh, what was it? Splinter Shards, you know, does as well. That time just, of separation. Yeah. Yeah. Times of separation. Yeah. Just, you know, right out the gate just starts wailing on you well it's sort of out of the gate right because you've got that intro track beforehand and then yeah, it, but leads... it builds up so perfectly to it it's like the grim reaper is leading you through the gates of hell <laughs> like by the hand like you've got that bony hand on your hand you know it's 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 genuinely creepy yeah and i really really love hearing um those sam neil clips from uh event horizon where he's just like you know nothing Hell is only a word. Reality is much, 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 much worse. worse. <laughs> yeah, like, oh my, like I'm, I'm nerding out, but like, oh my god, this record is incredible. Yeah, like, we picked up Event Horizon and watched it because of this record because we hadn't even heard of it really before uh, this this album. Because we're like, where are these clips from? <laughs> arguably not as good as the record. Definitely, it was still a good movie. I, I, I can see why that it, it, you know, they, they took a lot of influence from it. Because it's a pretty neat concept. I mean, I'm a big, you know, like space nerd anyway. So any anything where movies, horror movies or something that happens in space, I'm all about it. So. Did you say space? Space! Because, man, I love space. I love Gus? space so much. <laughs> I, we forgot to mention in the Blood and Fire talk, but, like, we also watched The Prophecy. Oh, yeah, uh, because of that. Yeah, yeah, because of that, because uh, of the Zeo clip. Like, I remember the first war, the way the sky burned. Also, a movie that was not nearly as good as the record that the clip was on. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely but, not. But it may have the best portrayal of <laughs> Satan in any film. Yeah, and I think uh, well, Christopher Walken was in that movie, right? Yes, yeah. he was Gabriel. Yeah, he was. Yeah, if you were Soul, where would you hide? Yeah, <laughs> I get so much shit for saying that that is the best Satan because dude does exactly what Satan would do. If he can't fix it, he yeah. comes to Earth. He says, "Help me get rid of this." And then as soon as his problem is resolved, he immediately looks at the people and says, "I want you to come with me." Right. Like that's exactly what he would do. <laughs> <laughs> well, before before we move on to self title, there's two more things I want to talk about with uh, with Liberate. One is that you know i was talking to jeff relatively recently and he was telling me not not discuss metal jeff but jeff gretz uh, from zeo and he was telling me that like so for the liberate stuff right he said like i he he was like the label complained because jesse smith had some like pinup girls tattooed on his arms and it was there for the uh, for it was there for the promo shots or whatever. I mean, their tattoos on his arms. They just are what they are, right? And uh, they took all these press photos of Zayo. Zayo showed up for what they thought was a press shoot, and basically, Solid State was like, "Okay, great, we have all the pictures that we need." So they just made the pictures like the liner notes, and the band didn't even really like know that that was going to happen. So it's funny that the label complained about the pictures in the liner notes when they themselves are the ones that made the decision to put those pictures in the liner notes. Like the band had nothing to do with it. They also had nothing to do with the, with the uh, Dante's Inferno theme that was thrown in, into the, into the liner notes for that album. Like they had nothing to do with any of that stuff, but solid state just did it themselves. And then they bitched about it later. That's so <laughs> Which, stupid. 
Um, that's the that's like that meme where somebody's riding the bike and then they stick the stick into their tire and fall over and go <laughs> blame something else. Are you that's ready good... to burn it down and walk away? I am, but I have one more point about liberate because I just can't get off of it. Uh, this Blood and Fire was pretty much the last like Christian Zao album, and that's something that I don't think a lot of people talk about. There basically is no hope. <laughs> <laughs> in liberate like no. oh yeah no you're just gonna die <laughs> you're gonna die and maybe you'll go to hell maybe if that's real but like this is where the band moves away from the whole christianity aspect and i know that that was that that was the scene that they were in at the time but i will say that like i think it was a good change for the band because i don't know how long they could maintain that with the blood and fire sound and i don't think that anybody should be obligated to sing about a specific subject because that's what people want. I think I think that's the biggest difference between the Eric Reeder, Sean Jonas era of the band. Those guys wanted to talk about Jesus. They wanted to talk about the Bible. And that was the driving force behind their band. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I fully believe that you should always talk about what you feel and always talk about what you believe and talk about what's important to you. I definitely don't think it's a good idea that if that's not where your heart is to fake it and throw it out there, because in a way you're actually creating more disrespect and you're basically shitting all over the original band's legacy by trying to continue it, but not having your heart in it. So my hand, my hats are off to the dudes in Zao for being like, okay, we basically became a different band on blood and fire anyway. And then on Liberate, they become a different band. Yeah, they follow it through. Yeah. And so I, I, I appreciate that. And I have to be honest, like growing up as a quote unquote youth group, like Christian hardcore kid, I had a lot of trouble dealing with that for a while. I had a lot of trouble dealing with like, oh, God, they're not Christian band anymore. And then you say all the dumb things that people say, like, well, you know, they're still like the singers are Christian. So, it, you know, it's it still counts or whatever. And it's, it's just funny, like looking back on some of that stuff and realize, realizing how dumb it was. Like, do you like the band? Yes. Okay. Um, are you only allowed to like bands that only talk about things that like conform exactly to what you think? I mean, yeah, I guess. You know, like, I don't know. It's just, it, it, it all seems very cyclical. And it, yeah. it just always bugged me that people would, because this band, which was in completely a completely different group of guys back in the mid to late 90s, talked about a certain thing that now you're expecting this new band of different guys, same same band name, but you're expecting them to conform exactly to what the originals did. And um, I don't know. I think it's a fallacy. And I think that it's important to note that Zayo really hasn't been a Christian band, so to speak, since Blood and Fire. 2000 self-titled has some of my favorite songs has some of my least favorite production but <laughs> as has been previously described as a solid record by the band Zeo what is there to complain about because the only complaint I've ever heard is that Jesse Smith is playing V drums well at least he's actually playing the parts instead of programming them and letting that be his drum part for this album because he definitely could have done that. Record opens with Five Year Winter, 
which is one of the best show closers if you're the band Zayo. Friggin' best breakdown ever. Happy to say I recently dropped a DDT on Dan at Zayo while they were playing Five Year Winter. How's your like, face What the feel? hell, man? What the hell? <laughs> I'm still upset about that. Was that the that. show I was, I, was, I was with you uh, when we went and saw him in Nashville? So we saw Zayo two times that year. We saw them the first time in Nashville. I think the I think that the venue was called the end, if I'm yeah. if I'm correct. It was like a little hole in the wall. Truly. But it was the end. We desired the end at that point. We desired the end, yeah. And so we <laughs> Joe, Buddy, and myself all showed up at the end. And uh we actually got to watch uh uh we got to watch uh Scott and Russ do a equipment breakdown for YouTube. Joe and I kind of just wandered into the venue while that was happening. <laughs> and Scott was just like <laughs> Hey, what's up, guys? You know, like he—he he was like, "Yeah, we're doing this like YouTube thing or whatever." I was like, "Oh, cool, cool, yeah." Like, we'll we'll, we'll stay out of the way, you know. And uh, it was super cool to watch. We 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 watched them film that whole thing. It was it was awesome. And um, but yeah, like we saw them at the end with you, buddy. And then I think I bought two Zayo shirts, but then like I didn't want one of them for some reason, so I gave one of them to you. I think I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, gave me one. Yeah. <laughs> I have this problem when I go to shows, I'll like buy a record, like I'll buy a record and like two shirts and, um, and all that basically just Zayo shows. If you're in another band and I see you, I'm sorry that I didn't buy that much merch. It's just Zayo. And I remember Scott was like really trying to talk me into buying this camo shirt. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, dude, I just don't do camo. No, 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 it wasn't camo. It was, uh, it was tie dye. Oh yeah. It was like a, it was like a Grateful Dead style shirt or whatever, and I was like, I'm sorry, I just I just can't do it. And he was it was like, an well, awesome looking know. shirt. He was like, Well, you're wrong, but okay, you know, <laughs> like one of those. Uh, but anyway, uh, all that aside, so we yeah we saw them at the end in Nashville. Uh, so buddy was buddy lives pretty close to that area, so he was able to drive out and 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 go to the show, which is yeah. awesome because we don't and see we bring buddy. that up because we all were in that freaking pit when Five Year Winter exploded. You know. Well, you guys were. Uh, so here's a funny thing about us uh, is that uh, when we go to shows, uh, Buddy and Joe are the pit mongrels, and I'm the guy that stands in the very back with my arms crossed being like, yeah, man, it was a six set. You know, like, <laughs> and, and and it was. But yeah, so Joe Joe and Buddy do all the moshing, and I am just like a total poser. Uh, it's funny, though, because any other band, I will be back there with you because I also am like, oh, no, I don't want to get my hands broke. Yeah, don't break my fingies. Are you guys uh, saying I'm the I only one who's legit here? Yeah, no, but I mean, I, I don't care how old I get. I'm going to be 80. And if I go to a friggin' Zayo show, I mean, God help those guys if they're still playing shows at that point. Uh, right. <laughs> I will still be in that pit when Zayo is up there. Well, then you can't after, not be in the pit. after we went and saw them at the end, I drove. So that was in Nashville. About a five-hour drive, and then uh, I drove another five hours to see them a couple of months later in Indianapolis, Indiana. And um, I mean, they absolutely just tore my face off. Uh, got to hang out with my bud Travis Turner, formerly of As the Story Grows. He was uh, slinging merch for the band, so me and Travis got to hang out, which was super cool and super fun. And um, but I think the thing that really stands out to me about self-titled, and the reason we talked about all the live stuff, is because. Five Year Winter is like the Zayo song. If you're going to go off like you had a bad week or, or a bad month, or let's be honest, it's 2020, a bad year. Um, it's definitely, uh, it's the song that you show up to hear where you're just going to go completely off the chain. 
<laughs> when they're playing it's the crazy song. too because like you you think like you know talking about the pit like you think that you know, you're going crazy that people are going to be you know in the pit like throwing throwing down or whatever you know but that is the song that everybody is bum rushing the stage you know it's all about screaming your head off there's no like you know like hardcore kid stuff in there you know or anything like that it's just how loud can we scream this breakdown as a collective yeah. unit and it's infectious yeah whenever they start that burn it down and walk away stuff it's like no that mic's not dan's mic that's my mic now like that <laughs> that's what we all think and we just run straight for the stage i mean he can't have it. We've heard enough of him. It's time to hear me. You know, like it's awesome. It's awesome. It's it's it is absolutely like an experience. As far as self-titled the album goes, this is and it's funny because Prey to Chaos exists. So like I'm gonna invalidate this statement when we talk about Prey to Chaos, but up to this point in their career, this is the most different sounding Zao album. This yeah. is not like a straight dirge like what we'd had before. It is but it's not like we had it before. Uh, so you've got five-year winner, which is ab- absolutely like, you know, top 10 bangers of all time type of song. <laughs> and then, um, but then they kind of slow it down. You get like instrumentals, like Alive is Dead, uh, which like, honestly, some of Jesse's best drumming, even though he's playing on that V drum kit, you know, like Joe said, these are not programmed drum parts. This is a dude sitting down and playing, playing an electronic kit. So it's still him but it sounds like a digital like nine inch nails you know sort of sound um you could definitely tell jesse was listening to a lot of nine inch nails when they when they made this album and it's really weird that this is the zayo self-titled because i don't think that it like represents zayo as a whole like as a band the record is actually called self-titled right so there's some irony there there's some artistic probing is what i'm gonna say it's like they're Mm, poking at the audience for thinking that the album is called Zayo, so it's the definitive Zayo. No, they called it self-titled because they're trying to mess with your expectations. And for better or for worse, I think it works. I think the record is just as cohesive as Liberate and has interesting ideas in it. I would like to see what happens when Zayo tries to incorporate more of these industrial-type elements not necessarily with the remix EP that we get a few years later, or I guess it's more than a few years, but like Alive is Dead. Just the way they use polyrhythms, very simple in the melody and in the beat. I would love to see Jeff Gretz go full Neil Peart and put a digital kit up behind his drum set and just bust into the solo that is Alive is Dead. Because dude could pull it off. Easy. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, Alive is Dead. I actually really love that song. And if it wasn't like, I mean, seriously, like if it wasn't like copyright or whatever, like if I wouldn't get DMCA'd like immediately, uh, that would totally be like the the only song I would play on loop, like behind my Twitch streams, uh, because it is just so awesome because you've, you've got Scott's heavy melodramatic guitar tone going on uh, the whole time. Like Scott. Scott is absolutely a powerhouse as far as being able to create mood yeah. with a guitar tone. Like he really, I feel like he's that dude that sits there for like an hour picking out like the exact correct sound. 
he's definitely the kind of guy I wouldn't want to like be in a band with as far as like, okay, are we going to do something? Are you just going to sit here and mess around with your effects pedals, you know, the whole time? Um, <laughs> hey, and he's gonna Scott like, has more up. than two tones. <laughs> oh, that's a, <laughs> that's a low blow. We make fun of Buddy all the time because we used to play live. Uh, with our old band and he'd he'd tell the sound guy straight up he's like I got two tones okay make sure you sound like both of them okay because I didn't know what the crap I was doing and you need to know when I switch them you need to know okay like you need to be clairvoyant enough to read my mind and know when I'm gonna go like straight heavy or if I'm going to go like a little bit more of that cleaner sound, you know what I'm saying? Dude, you had a look too when you changed tones. Then, you, you would like, you the bass out. would go straight up, you'd stomp the floor, and then you would like try to jump with three legs and just Well, it's funny because you would find out over the course of the night that Buddy didn't actually have two tones. He only played the heavy, most brutal tone he could come up with. <laughs> That's right. Like, the entire show. So it was like, you know, and uh, if anybody cares, if you're watching on Twitch right now, uh, you can actually see Buddy's actual base that we're talking about is right behind Joe uh, on the wall. It's uh, yep. it's our it's our tribute to Buddy. So you know, in between uh, the BC Rich and the Red Stratocaster over there. Absolutely. It's beautiful. Uh, but, you know, back to Zayo. Um, yeah, one out of five stars. These guys just talked about their old band the entire time. Um, <laughs> but like, uh, what I what I think is what what I think is so unique about this record. Not only is the uh, melodic elements, or I'm sorry, not only the the electronic elements, but the melodic elements. Uh, this is probably one of the most melodic Zayo records, uh, in the sense that like you have clean vocals on a Zayo record. Not for the first time. There were some backup cleans, I think, on Blood and Fire at one point. But for the most part, this band didn't sing. And you've actually got you've got songs like Witch Hunter, which I, as far as I know, was basically just Jesse like whispering the entire time, which I thought was cool. Um, whenever I'm feeling particularly angsty and I'm listening to Witch Hunter, I'm thinking, you think you know me, but you don't you don't know anything. You know, like it's it's one of those. <laughs> Uh, you know, when I'm feeling particularly like a teenager, I like listening to that song. Uh, but then you've got like songs like The Dreams That Don't Come True, which is actually like Dan singing. And in case you didn't awesome. know, if you, if you only heard Dan, uh, if you only heard Dan as like the screaming growly vocalist, he, like, I mean, obviously he's the best at that. But like um, those those melodic, like Dan has a very deep, melancholy voice. You know, he's very like it's important. Like it hold his voice holds power. You yeah. Know? The dreams like, that don't come true is one of my favorites on this because of Dan's like somber, you know, vocals. Dude, it absolutely tears me to pieces. That song does. Like it's just so it's so dark. You know, like but it <laughs> but it really is. Uh I think I think maybe my favorite song on self titled though. The dreams that don't come true is definitely like peak, like one of the best songs ever. But I really, really, really like the race of standing still. And it's a song that I relate to very heavily because uh, I don't think it's any kind of secret. I, I kind of complain about it sometimes on the podcast. But like I've had a really bad last 10 years, <laughs> you know, like as an adult, like having kids transitioning from being, you know, a dude that was in a band and, and like all of that crap, like the financial crap, like no matter how hard you try, you just never really feel like you can get ahead. You know, you can, you can follow all the, all the steps from financial advisors 
uh, that I won't name here, but like, you know, you can follow all of those steps and you can, you can do the best that you can do. But at the end of the day, you still don't have enough money to do. And it doesn't matter who you are. Like that's universal. Like that's not just me. No matter what you do, you're never quite in the spot that you want to be. That spot is always 10 feet ahead of you, you know, and you're always running for it. You're always, you know, doing everything that you can do. I know nobody can actually see me if you're just listening to the audio audio of this but i'm doing a running in place thing uh but like it's, it's hilarious too because like i'm fat so it's like yeah dude just keep doing that like every day just do that you won't be fat anymore um, but like Up your arms. I, okay. yeah just keep on yeah just look super serious when you're doing it too like crazy eyes but like uh but that song i mean i get a little bit like of a, a little bit of a tear but it's just like you know i'm racing i'm racing toward it like when I was a small boy, you know, in a summer field decorated by summer sunlight, unable to remember, unable to forget, you know, which kind of kind of deals with like the fact that like some of us tend to make the same mistakes over and over and over and over again. And like, I don't necessarily think that the song is about like money or money management, but like that, it's definitely like how I took it as an adult. Because like when I listen to that song now, like it cuts me deep and like, you know, and before anybody starts sending me a bunch of emails, like things were definitely like way better, like now. But like before, it was it was really, 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 really rough. And I always felt like you know I was always having a bad time, and everybody around me was always like, "Oh, it's okay, bud. It'll get better. Like, don't worry. Like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine." But I always just felt like no matter how hard I tried, no matter what I did, it was like I was just running and in, running in place. Would you say that you were in a parade of chaos? Bro, you cannot just keep the podcast going in a normal length like that. I mean, you kids can't do it. We're talking about self-titled. It's about how it makes me feel. So much more I want to talk about about this record. Um, the end of his world is like a stupid song. <laughs> just right out the gate right there. <laughs> yeah, like, like, can I be real? The end of his world is like really, 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 really dumb. Um, I actually really, really like it, but then you've got like Dan doing like his thing. Like he's doing like a Johnny cash thing, right? Like a, like a pointless song about death sort of thing. Like, Oh, this woman thinks that her husband's coming home, but he's not. Cause he's dead. You know, like <laughs> one of those, like it's a, it's a, I gotcha. I gotcha. He's dead. You think he's coming home, but he's not, he's dead. Uh, which is, you know, fine. You know, if it had just been Dan on the track, but then like in the background, you've got Jesse Smith doing this like weird chorus where he's like, she didn't know he was going to die. She didn't know he was going to die. Like, it's like, it's like when somebody's trying to tell you a joke, but then this other person runs by with like a big sign telling you what the punchline is with an explanation of what the punchline is over and over and over again before you're even at the end of the joke. And it's like, Jesse, I don't think we needed that. I don't think we needed. She didn't know he was going to die. I think we could have got that from just listening to the song. You know, like, I mean, it's it's fine. But the breakdown at the end of that song, top 10. <laughs> I mean, it's. The end of his world. The end of oh, his yeah. world. It's awesome. That one's also brutal. Yeah, it's that's great. where that's where the meathead in me and the intellectual in me like really are at odds. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's funny you say that too because I mean, you know, Five Year Winter is also on this album, so you know, some of the best breakdowns right there. It's like the softer, you know, more laid back, more refined Zayo album. It makes me wonder: do those breakdowns? <laughs> hit so much harder because this album is slower and more dirgy. I'm glad you brought that up, buddy, <laughs> because this is something 
that I've been, I mean, if I've been doing a good job doing this podcast, <laughs> something I've been trying to explain to people since we started was that like something super heavy for 58 minutes is not as effective as something that isn't always heavy. Yeah. You know, the, the thing is, is that human beings love patterns. They love variations. They like patterns that match up when you're listening to music. So like the biggest thing is that like you want you want to recognize those patterns you want to get behind them. But a super heavy part isn't as super heavy unless it has something super not heavy to balance it out. It's a tension and release sort of thing. Records yeah. that are super brutal the entire time are just straight release. And you know, eventually, you know, your balls are going to drain and you're going to have nothing else. You're having nothing left. Whereas, you know, a good I hate to use a sex metaphor. I really do, but like it's one of those things where, like, you know, foreplay is a thing. You you want to get enticed into the big cool part, right? Well, you do. Like that that's how it works, right? You don't want to do you don't want to just go straight into it, right? I mean, maybe some people do. And there are days where I do, you know, like about music. Uh, but like it's one of those like but I mean <laughs> it's, it's, falling apart. It's, no, it's not a it, no, it's a great metaphor, okay, because I'm full of myself. Uh, but like it is, but you, you you have to build up, I guess is what I'm saying. You have to build up before you break down. Okay, there you, you go. You, you can't just start with the breakdown, right? You, you have, have to have without a build up. You have to have something that's not heavy to have something be heavy, be effective. And I'm just gonna I'm I'm just gonna leave it there. And I think that is why self-titled is so important. And I think that's why self-titled is such a good Zao record because it has that build up. We still get what we want. We still show up, and Godzilla does still show up, and it's awesome. Depending on who you ask, are you ready to get the opposite of what you think you want? Well, I want to read some Twitch comments real quick, if that's okay. Uh, so, Josiah has been commenting this whole time, and I feel terrible about not like acknowledging that. Um, but he says, The Dreams is one of the best Zayo songs. I agree. He goes, I hated the racist standing still when I first heard it, but I don't hate it anymore. It's still uh, lower half Zayo for me. Um, he goes, wait, no, I mixed up the race with the end of his world. Then he goes, all of Twitch is me. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Pass the officer turns on a tool to scream and turns all the bass all the way up. Okay, yeah, we didn't talk about a tool to scream. And honestly, like, I feel bad about that. Um, it's a banger. It doesn't start off that way. It starts off super bluesy. Everything that we've been talking about, it builds up to break right. down. Which I do have to say, when I did see the band play live, one of the things that used to piss me off. So the first couple of times I saw Zayo, they just went into the heavy part of a tool to scream and ignored the intro. But can confirm the last three times I've seen Zayo, they played the whole intro. Nice. Yes, it was did. amazing. It's like this wonderful bluesy intro that just needs to be heard to be believed. Yeah, because it makes the breakdown for the martyr like hit so much harder. The martyr. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, I gotta go listen to this album again. I have like, yeah, to see you guys later. I'm like the past three weeks, so this this is perfect. <laughs> Love it. 2002, a parade of chaos. This is what you get when you leave Jesse Smith and Scott Mellinger to their own devices. And depending on who tells you the story. When Jesse Smith starts contributing more guitar parts to the writing of the record, you definitely get the impression that he is going a different direction, either in his mind or in his songwriting or what he wants to do. 
this record is weird. And I've said this many times. It's probably the record I've listened to the most by Zayo, minute by minute, only because it has great songs on it, like Parade of Chaos, like The Buzzing. And I spent a lot of time just trying to figure it out because I don't know how you go from everything you've got up to this point to what you're going to get on Parade of Chaos. It's just so far, let's turn left and see what happens, at least to me. I think uh, this, if I remember correctly, from the uh, Lesser Lights of Heaven DVD, they did this one in standard tuning as well, um, which I think also contributes to how different it sounds because it sounds brighter. It's it's more, you know, um, it just has a lighter feel to it. Not I mean, all of the songs are in standard tuning. Okay, I think some of them were in standard, okay. but yeah. According to Jesse on that DVD, it's the ones he plays. So if you want to know which songs Jesse Smith plays guitar on, standard tuning is your friend. Ah, gotcha. Scott Mellinger's totally in drop D, a whole step down, because well, it's there, Scott. He's going to be dirgy. <laughs> there were moments on uh, there were moments on Pretty Chaos where I think Jesse was playing like a 1950s like single kick <laughs> like drum kit, like. <laughs> and and in his words, it was just to be an asshole, um, you know, which. I didn't really take it that way. So this this is the weird thing about Prey to Chaos is that this was the first Zayo album that we bought. Like Buddy and I went to a to a store uh, that's not even doesn't even exist anymore. Um, I can't remember. I don't remember what it's called. But like we went there and um, bought Prey to Chaos for like seventeen dollars and ninety eight cents or something yeah. ridiculous. And that was because before this came out, we finally got hooked on Zayo yes. with the re-release of all else failed and um we were listening to resistance and yeah like as we said before we were i don't remember how we got the song i think we downloaded it probably is what happened oh yeah we were listening to it uh whenever i was playing zone of the enders on playstation 2 yeah sorry scott (laughs) i owe you like 12 bucks sorry about that Uh, (laughs) he got three times over from us I bought a lot of merch over the years, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, I do think that like this record is probably the most unhinged Zayo record in the sense that like, you just didn't really understand what they were going for here. And, and buddy and I like more or less were like, well, I guess this is what Zayo sounds like. We're listening to the record. Cause like, we had heard over resistance. <laughs> yeah. And like, we don't hate it. Like I remember hearing suspend suspension, which I still think is a, is a banger. And I think they should still play live. Just saying. Uh, but like, I definitely like felt like this record was super, super weird. I hate to use the word unhinged Cause if you've listened to our training for utopia versus tantrum of the muse episode, which let me put it this way. If you're listening to this on audio, then it's already out. You've heard it. Uh, if you're watching this on Twitch, you know, if your name is Josiah Heiberg, then you're watching it on Twitch. Uh, like that episode, we use the word unhinged like 400 times. Like take a drink every time we say unhinged. And, um, or if you're a Patreon subscriber, in which case, uh, then you are, uh, you, you can listen to it right now. Uh, but don't, because we're, we're live, bro. Uh, but like <laughs> I think that like it is the most unhinged Zayo album in the sense that it's like yeah like the guitar tone is wacky the drumming is wacky because like up to this point Jesse had been like a very technical like almost like a robot you know uh, drummer like dude 
like even if you go all the way back to splinter shards where like honestly when i think about it i don't know how his drum set didn't catch on fire when he was playing through splinter shards because (laughs) oh my god it wasn't until like blood and fire that he started uh that he started doing the uh (laughs) that he started like getting a little bit more groove into his playing you know (laughs) but like Anyway, uh, this is one of the weirdest like drum performances from Jesse because he's just like straight like Beatles rocking it, you know, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that at this era of the band, they kind of like I don't want to say they didn't care. Like, I don't know. I have a lot of trouble figuring out whether or not like this record was because they didn't care and it was a happy accident that it turned out good or if like it was intentionally weird like this to create a mood i'm gonna believe the second one but like according to the dvd it seemed like they just didn't care they weren't even sure if dan was gonna sing on it yeah he didn't show up until it was time to actually record the vocals he had had no input on how the music was written good time to bring this up this is the era of the band where they were very much in a day-to-day flux or at least it seemed that way if you saw zeo live it could include any number of members you were guaranteed to see scott you were guaranteed to see jesse everything else up in the air including but not limited to two guitarists a lead singer that is not dan and dan being a lead singer while playing bass like everything was seemingly random at this point if you were a fan of the band yeah i mean there was a point where if you went and saw zeo during this era you could get Corey darst as the vocalist or you could get dan as the vocalist um, and let me let me spend a, a minute talking about Corey Darst for a second. I, I said a minute, then a second. That's that's how drunk I am. But like, it's <laughs> one of those like, it's one of the it's one of those things where you know we talked about how Dan's vocals have often been imitated but never completely replicated. You know, and I feel like this band is. Um, I feel like if you went and saw the band with Corey, you still had a good experience. But I hadn't ever actually got to hear Corey Darst's recorded vocals. So it wasn't until Tooth and Nail put out the record, or Solid State put out the legendary record, that you got to hear some of the um, some of the tracks with Corey Darst on vocals. And I actually really like Corey's voice, and I would love it to be, like, not in Zeo. <laughs> you know? Like, I think it's cool. I think he sounds... And, and I totally understand the mon- mindset. Sounds enough like Dan to where it's fine, <laughs> right? Like you go and see the band and you're like, all right. I mean, I didn't get to see the guy that I've been idolizing for years, but this guy did a great job, was very animated, and he, w- he was all in. And I think the most ridiculous thing, and I could be wrong about this, so like uh, if anybody from the band hears this, I, I need some clarification on this. But I believe that, like, between Liberate and Self-Titled, they did some tours with Corey Darst as the vocalist. And then Dan came back and actually recorded the vocals on the Self-Titled album and then left the band again. And then they had Corey come in and do the, you know, do the touring. And so, like, it was really, really, really up in the air. And there's one guy that I want to make a special mention of, and that is Rob Horner, who was Zayo's bass player on Liberate. And I believe self-titled as well. And I actually got to see Zayo with with Rob Horner. And that dude was intense live. Like, I mean, I don't go to a show to check out the bass player, you know, unless it's Buddy. Uh, but, like, it's one of those, like, 
this dude was intense. He provided like awesome backup screams, like to some of the songs to where like, and whenever I saw him with Rob Horner, I think Dan wasn't in the band, which we'll get into later. Um, but like he, he definitely was like part of the package. And I, I really enjoyed watching that dude play and, and scream along to the songs. But yeah, this is an era where you really weren't sure what Zayo you were going to get. So, and I think even during that time, even if they did show up with Dan, they still didn't really play anything off of Parade of Chaos. They played like Liberate and <laughs> Blood and Fire songs and maybe some things off self-titled. But uh, I think that I think that what was interesting about Parade of Chaos especially was that it was basically a studio project. And I believe it was done in almost the same session, if not like really close to the session, as when they did the All Else Failed re-record. I think that was all part of like a package deal. That makes sense because they did the All Else Failed. I mean, we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit here, but they did the All Else Failed re-record to fulfill licensing obligations, you know, or record or, uh, you know, fulfill, pad out their record count because they needed to do another record. And so they just did it so that they could, uh, you know, be finished with their contract. Yeah, I think it had something to do with like Brandon from Tooth and Nail wanted some songs that were on All Else Failed that weren't on Splinter Shards, like wanted to have like licensing ownership of those songs. And Zayo was like, well, I like money. Like I, I need to pay my rent or whatever. So I guess we'll do it, you know, um, and what you end up getting is this like kind of half-hearted re-record of a record that really besides jesse nobody else had been on yeah that's I, true i know a lot of people like trash talk the the re-record of all's failed and i do as well because i don't want anybody to think i'm a total loser or anything <laughs> uh, but like it is kind of interesting hearing the quote-unquote at least at the time modern zeo taking a stab at some of these songs but it's kind of weird so like it doesn't have all of the songs from All Else Failed on it. Because the original All Else Failed had 10 songs. This one only has eight. But I actually enjoy... Uh, <laughs> uh, I actually really enjoyed kind of kind of this sort of uh, this sort of deal. Like I, I enjoyed seeing them kind of kind of kind of jump off and uh, do something a little bit different. Even though like Pride of Chaos was outrageously different, like outrageously different. And if you're a fan of Dan Wyatt's vocals, this is what it sounds like when he does the old songs. Not knowing any of the politics or anything that went into the creation of these two records, if I have Parade of Chaos and I have All Else Failed. I don't hate All Else Failed. If I know nothing else about this band, I don't hate All Else Failed, the re-recording. It might be weird in context, knowing the story, knowing the history of the band, but there's nothing really wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it other than the fact that, like, they didn't write those songs. So, like, Dan doesn't really sound into it. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, he doesn't sound into it. Not all of the parts. Like, the parts are definitely not, like, a one-to-one -one recreation of what you had on All Else Failed. Yeah. So, in one sense, it's cool hearing them play this song, these songs, because it does answer the... It does answer the age-old question of what was it like right after Jesse reformed the band after Splinter Shards and started them with Blood and Fire? Did they ever play these old songs live? 
and I've never been able to get like a uh, I, I've never been able to kind of understand <laughs> whether or not like they ever actually did that. I've never gotten clarification on that. Uh, and so to hear him playing these songs is very interesting. It's interesting to hear Scott's guitar tone with these songs. But I do think that it is still just kind of a weird release. Yeah. I mean, it, it was interesting enough to us that it got us, you know, to finally check out Zeo after hearing about them, you know, all these years. So in a sense, you know, I still really enjoy it and really like it for what it is, just because it's one of the first things we got into by them, um, you know, so it still holds a special place for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, yeah, because it was one of those gateway sort of things. We just didn't know that we were getting, you know, the kind of the short end of the stick on that. And that Zayo definitely had like way better material, even up to and including those songs with a totally different band lineup. Right. Uh, and, you know, the weird thing is, is after after Prey to Chaos and um, I realized we didn't talk about that record nearly enough, uh, but like it's a weird record, man. Like, just check it out. It's got clean singing. It's got a song called Angel Without Wings on it that features Dan singing. And it's doesn't sound like it should be a Zayo song, but it totally is. And it's awesome. Uh, Buddy Bigsby has got that weird programming you know type of thing going on with hey, it too hey 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 hey! we don't bring up the ballad of buddy bixby <laughs> <laughs> they won't play it live we don't talk about you it you just like it because it has the word buddy in it oh maybe yeah i like the whole album anyway i just uh, i'm i'm st- i'm stuck on zeo i can't i can't <laughs> it's just the best thing ever every time i hear it there you go there you go <laughs> it, 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 it's time guys it's time can i take a twitch break real quick may i I just want to give a shout out to Polar Knights, uh, who has been commenting at how much better my beard is than your guys's beards. Um, and All I can got, get is down here. It sucks. Well, I want to. I want to read. I want to read this comment really, really quickly because it's hilarious. Uh, so, dude, literally just jumps in and says, "Finally, an OCD friendly stream. It is like the perfect evolution of beards." <laughs> <laughs> short medium and long <laughs> and i'm not gonna lie i kind of almost died a little bit whenever i read that because we were we were like mid recording and i was like <laughs> like i could not even handle it like it was too funny <laughs> and uh yeah and so he goes on to say uh and then yeah josiah goes that's amazing i didn't even notice uh and then i said yeah at least i'm on in the top of the beard evolution uh uh polar knights goes on to say the man the man's man's beard uh one day i hope to get a beard like dan his girlfriend must be so understanding uh not my girlfriend though it's my wife we've been married for a very 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 long time well over 10 years and uh yeah we've got four kids so um i think she's cool with it i have to get some clarification on that but i think she's cool with it but uh i appreciate it i do not think that you were rude for not saying hello uh i think that you came in hot and that is what i appreciate one thousand percent people coming in hot so uh and i also think that it is totally good morning from north norway yes i totally think that that is the most metal thing that i've heard the entire night that you are from north norway so thank you so much for tuning into what we have going on here we are currently probably not far along along enough in the discography to make joe happy uh for zeo but i mean this band this is my favorite band so we're going to talk about them for a long time and and i apologize but 
if you don't want to hear us talk about just this band, check out the other 200 episodes of the podcast. Um, I know we're not 200 yet, but we're pretty close. So if you throw disgust metal in there, it, it, it counts. Um, yeah, absolutely. Check out the other podcast. But you know, for now, thanks for joining us. I, I, I appreciate you. Really, really do. 2004, I summoned the glory that is Steve Peck. Funeral of God. So it is worth noting that Zao disappeared during this era, and I don't mean like disappeared like like a magic trick, but like they had basically broken up. The, the, the drama had reached a critical mass, and the band decided to basically just end it all. And I don't mean like by suicide, but just like end the band. So I remember I was a senior in high school as, as Buddy and I were talking about how we had heard Predator Chaos, I think probably like a year before that. And yeah. then we were we were kind of bummed out. I remember we got self-titled and we were listening to it in our in Buddy's garage, uh, like really loud. And like some kid on a skateboard came by and was like, "You need to turn that down." And we were so like, like, "No way!" <laughs> we were like, "No," because Buddy and I were edge lords. <laughs> I won't allow it. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, it, it, yeah, it was it was incredible. Um, but I, I do think that like. I remember being super excited because I was like a member of all of the uh, all the Zeo boards and and stuff like that. Like I was really, really, really into it, and uh, um, and so I found out that basically there was a a show that had like a bunch of like bigger bands on it, and somebody had mentioned on like a website. It might have been like Metal Sucks or whatever the equivalent. It was probably Lamb Goat. Let's be real. This was like 2004, 2003, maybe. And um, they were like, yeah, so we had this we had this tour lined up or these shows lined up. And then for whatever reason, the entire Liberate lineup of Zayo showed up. (laughs) 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 And of course, we had to let them play because, you know, Zayo, you know, (laughs) like it's it's a big deal. And I believe that was with Dan. So like when the band and and there's a whole story about this on the um, there's a whole story on this uh, on the Zayo DVD where like somebody got Rob Horner's email address and said that they like knew a millionaire or they were backed by a millionaire and that Zayo was their favorite band. And I promise this was not just me trolling the band. Basically, somebody was like like gave him gave him an offer they couldn't refuse and uh, gave him an. But yeah, you can you can watch all that on the DVD. It's it's a whole thing. But basically, it, it's on YouTube actually. So uh, with this record, there was a little bit of there was a little bit of disparity between like when I ended up going and seeing Zayo live during this era where they were talking about doing a new record, but hadn't made any concrete plans. They Dan ended up leaving the band again, and they had a vocalist. It was Joshua Ashworth from uh, from Society Society yeah. And so when I saw the band, I saw the band with that lineup uh, here in St. Louis and they were um, they were good. Yeah, I, was, I mean, it I was, was a good show. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, was good. a good show. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. I like Josh's vocals and just like everybody else involved, it was kind of like, you know, yeah, it's not Dan. I'd prefer it to be Dan. But I mean, this guy's all right. Like, it yeah. sounds fine. Shortly he, after that, they had uh, released three of the songs that were that ended up on Funeral. Um on MySpace with Joshua Ashworth vocals, different lyrics and different names. Yeah, which actually I totally forgot to follow up with somebody that was going to send me those. I've had them in the past, but I don't have new versions of them now. Yeah, I had them too, because I remember we ripped them from MySpace and put them on a CD and we were listening to them when that was all we had. 
Yeah, it was a 21st century thriller, which went on to become the rising end off the funeral of God. And then it was uh, She's Not Leaving, She's Not Breathing, which that ended was up becoming the war, machine, right? the war Machine, right? Yeah. But I still prefer the uh, the She's Not Leaving, She's Not Breathing lyrics where he's like, I found a body in the backseat of my car. Like, I thought that was so cool. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. But uh, yeah, so let's let's talk about it, right? So like that, obviously Dan rejoins the band. Uh, Jesse is out for the first time, uh, you know, since the beginning. Uh, Jesse was the original band member, and he was gone. He was replaced by a guy called Steve Peck, that Joe is just gonna absolutely just melt down over. And uh, they got a bass player, and I can't remember what his name is at the moment. I'm really sorry. Uh, but basically, uh, John Kashik. Yeah, yeah. So that was the band that put out the funeral of God. So let's talk about the funeral of God. This is what it sounds like when Zayo kind of goes mainstream. I don't know enough about the recording of the record, but we have had some conversations with Scott. And it's obvious to me that that's what they were trying to do with the writing of these songs, the way they flow together the production of all the instruments, not just the drums and the guitars, but everything's kind of spaced out, doubled up the way it's supposed to be. Um, Unlike Parade of Chaos or the re-recording of All Else Failed, it doesn't sound like two guitars, bass, drums, vocals, and we're done. This one sounds like effort was put into the production because they were trying to make the band into the next kill switch engage if i'm allowed to make that comparison but the concept of the album it's not a concept record but dan wayant typically writes with concepts in mind even if they only make sense to him this whole thing is the idea of if god gave up on mankind and how we would deal with that and it's very dark it's very brutal concept, but the melodies are just so beautiful. And for me, it's the best drums on a Zayo record that are not pure chaos. If I want to hear just the beat backing up the songs, I'm going to listen to this record. I'm going to listen to Steve Peck play the way he does. Even though Jesse definitely contributed to the writing of the songs, He does not play the same way Jesse does. Jesse is more frantic. Jesse is more raw. I don't know if that's an intentional choice or that's just the way the guy plays. I don't know. But for me, this one is the best sounding Zayo record in a long time at this point. This is also when I jumped on as a fan because I had access to the DVD and it helped Dan tell the story about why Zayo was an awesome band. And for me, it just clicked at one point. So Funeral of God, all day, every day. I've got it on vinyl. Just play those songs over and over. I love this freaking record. So I've got it on vinyl, but I have to be honest with you guys. I I love this record when it came out. But like when I got the vinyl, yeah, it took a long time to get it because there was like all this like stuff going on with like the copyright and companies and all that crap that I'm not going to get into here. But like basically once i finally got that record i popped it in i couldn't couldn't believe that i had it and i i popped it in i popped it on the on the on the turntable and started listening to it and it didn't really do a whole lot for me to be honest like in comparison to other zeo stuff 
it just didn't really it just didn't really do it for me and um i think a lot of it is because i don't really want a clean zeo i don't really want like a zeo that is singing clean sung choruses and don't get me wrong like this this was the first record where scott started doing like clean vocals over the songs and i think that i think honestly he did really good like yeah, i mean it sounded cool i like scott's voice i like hearing his input on the songs but funeral for whatever reason doesn't really stack up for me now i think that the the concept is a little lofty i think it's a little bit much and i kind of just wanted to hear some more i don't know like i appreciate the record for what it is and i appreciate that like a lot of people became fans of zeo because of it but for me other than like praise the war machine the rising end and maybe a couple of other songs like in days gone past and stuff like that um the rest of the record really doesn't do it for me like psalm of the city of the dead is cool but like i don't know man like i'm listening to zeo i'm not listening to some prog band (laughs) (laughs) but you know it's fine like and you know a lot of people out there are gonna say that i'm wrong and that it's a banger and it is it's fine it's a good zeo record this is one of those examples where I love the band so much that to me, their worst output is better than your favorite band's best, best output. output. Right. You know, because don't get me wrong. I had never seen a Zayo music video before the funeral of God. And I thought it was incredible. I, I was like, Oh my God, th- there they are. They're, they're, <laughs> they're on this. They're on the screen doing the they day. Actually exist. Yeah. yeah. They're doing the thing. I mean, I'd seen them live at that point, but like, it still was like, Oh my God, you know? Uh, Cause I actually saw them at Cornerstone live before this record came out. And even, uh, even talked to Dan for a little while, which was, you know, life changing, obviously. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, it, it's one of those things. It's it's fine. It's fine. But, uh, yeah, Funeral God. It's more record. than fine, dude. I'm going to just step back in for a second on you. It is Zayo, the band that you love, that you've been listening to for years, do their version of a mainstream concept album. No matter how clean it sounds, it's the same band. Because there's no other band that did this type of album with that Zayo level of dissonance. Again, it's the sound of this band to have the guitars work against each other in a very specific way. That in and of itself is not unique to Zayo, but the way they put it together, it's still that band. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it is still that. But I just, I don't know. I'm being a naysayer because that's what I do. (laughs) And for whatever reason, when I listened to this record more recently, it hasn't done as much for me uh, as it could have. So, you know, it's all good. I mean, there's definitely for me, I pick songs off of this one as opposed to just listening to it all the way through. Um, There's definitely favorites I have on this one. I don't usually listen to Funeral God all the way through anymore. Yeah, I stop before all the floofy stuff starts. (laughs) If that makes sense. You're not going to talk about the all melodic ending of this album? Yeah, I'm really not, man. I don't listen to Zayo to feel good. (laughs) <laughs> like I'm just being I mean, real I real. really like it because I, I, I just, you know, I mean, it's, <clears throat> it's Zale. I like it, so I, I have no objective opinion here. <laughs> it's the only non-instrumental Zayo song of the modern era that does not feature Dan Wyatt in some shape or form. That's the real travesty in Dan's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, you're right there. 
All right, I'm doing the damn thing. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know what's going on. You're just like dumbfounded. Like I can become famous. <laughs> mean, I want to become famous. <laughs> you guys mean I'm not already famous? 2006. The fear is what keeps us here. It's definitely what keeps me here. So on the original Zayo episode, I mentioned that this record was inferior sound quality. Uh, well, I definitely got, you know, smacked around on that because apparently if I had this record on vinyl, it would sound amazing. I don't know if I 100% believe that. This is definitely the more lo-fi Zayo. So all that crap that I was talking about, the funeral of God and how it was, you know, super clean or whatever. I feel like the band more or less felt that way too. <laughs> <laughs> which is why they put out The Fear, which has some of probably the best Zayo material on it to date. As far as I understand, it was recorded pretty much all analog. Yeah. And it's recorded by Steve Albini, which is a huge, a huge thing. Absolutely, this record is a barn burner for Zayo. It throws away a lot of the melodic stuff that you found on Funeral, Funeral of God. It is worth noting, though, that it did absolutely not drop all of it. There is still some of that Funeral of God sound in the fear, and I don't care what anybody says. Uh, for instance, if you listen to It's Hard Not to Shake with a Gun in Your Mouth, that song is 100% like a Funeral of God song. It's got the melodic Scott vocals on it. It's got a verse, a chorus verse. It is, it is very much in the style of Funeral of God. And uh, but it sounds like it was recorded by Steve Albini, right? Yeah, I don't know. This one is probably my least favorite Zayo record, just because you know, again, it's of how it sounds. Because uh, poser alert. Uh, yep, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Well, I just don't. I don't. It sound. I mean, again, because the only thing I've heard is the the CD version, or I guess now you know whatever Spotify gives me. Uh, you know, it's it's got that it's got that muddy. It feels muddy to me and the guitar doesn't have that metal on metal scraping sound anymore because it feels like it's it, it just feels muddy um but like as you said you know it's got some of the best songs on there uh because i freaking love cancer eater um you know and it's it still is a great album it's just my least favorite i think jeff gretz makes his debut on this record Arguably the best drummer Zayo has ever had. Most versatile, has no issues playing any of the old material or writing any of the new material, and whatever he puts down is solid and amazing. This record challenged me the first time I listened to it, and probably the first ten times I listened to it, because I had to work to like this record. And I still don't really enjoy listening to it. I don't dislike what Steve Albini does when he makes records. I don't dislike his style or his approach to making records. I think he has some very solid points. But I don't think Zayo, the band that we've been listening to now for over 10 years, with multiple iterations, multiple stylistic changes, there are just aspects of that band that do not translate to the Steve Albini style. And I think a lot of the details are missing, mostly because of how the record is put together, not because the songs are inferior or because the band is playing sloppily. They're tight. They do time changes and feel changes and throw in all these over-the-top 
melodic pieces that clearly show off those core influences that maybe weren't there as much on Funeral of God or Parade of Chaos, but it's just not all there. And I know it's been said that the album on vinyl would let some of those things through. Not enough. I don't think vinyl sounds better than the CD. Scott has told us all that it does, and I look forward to listening to that someday. If they can get it, I mean, the whole funeral debacle has made it almost like apparent that maybe it's not going to happen, which yeah, I'm bummed out about it. I want to I want to just pinpoint a couple of really, really, really great songs off of The Fear, and that would be Pudgy Young Blondes with Lobotomy Eyes. Uh, I think that is one of the most brutal Zayo songs musically and lyrically that I've ever heard. Uh, it's hard not to shake with a gun in your mouth. Talks about the band's struggle with fans that are like, you guys aren't Christian enough for us. We're not into that. And it's weird because like, like I said earlier in the episode, they haven't really been a Christian rock band since Blood and Fire. You know, as far as like overt references to religion, the funeral of God was kind of like that you know but uh not entirely like it, i don't think that it was like a something that was going to make you like try christianity you know <laughs> like I, I don't think that it was that record and the fear is definitely that way as well but the song that i think really stands out is the final track and i think that like it really 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 it's it's called a last time for everything and it is one of the most beautiful zeo songs ever recorded even if it does turn into like near static by the end of it while Dan screaming the fear is what keeps us here <laughs> you know great. Oh, oh my <laughs> god so good and apparently they just like kept transferring it from like one tape to another tape to another tape to another tape until it just turned into straight static and uh and, and I love that I love I actually like the right way this record sounds overall I don't think that Dan's vocals were captured properly on this one I'm used to just hearing Dan in his full glory and I feel like his vocal performance was somewhat kind of diminished by this record. But that's just my opinion. So take what you will from it. Are we ready for Awake? Awake? I mean, I was born ready. 2009. So the fans that are the three of us spent a few years talking about the fears, what keeps us here, talking about how we were surprised at the cosmetic choices of that record and was it really as bad as everybody says it was because yes a lot of people said that record was bad wouldn't it be great if the band that wrote those intense songs would record a record that sounded as good as funeral of god if you want to know what that sounds like listen to awake it's the best expression of the harder ideas with a cleaner production and it features a studio mixed mastered recording of Romance of the Southern Spirit, which was a B-side of Funeral of God. One of my favorite songs by the band, almost completely written by Russ, if I'm correct. So this has a lot of good things. I see Unpleasable Metal Fan. I'm checking to see if he's going to make an entrance. And he is three, two, oh, one, here we go. go. I mean, you guys were totally badass on the fear. You were like, you know, super aggressive, super in your face. You know, like you were the you were the man's man's Zayo. You know, you you were the band that was like, don't judge me by that funeral of God record. We are dark and dingy and evil and 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 awesome. 
Uh, so don't judge us by that. But then you put out Awake, and Awake is like it's a record that is very clean and sounds like the Funeral of God Part Two. Like, what? What's the deal with that? Like, why is there so much clean singing on the record? Why is it so melodic? Blah 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 blah. Like, I don't really agree with those people. I really liked Awake actually. Um, Awake had Romance of the Southern Spirit, which is one of my favorite Zao songs. Uh, before it was released, you know, um, on the DVD, they even played it live on one of the live shows. And I was really like enamored with that song. And, you know, something, something really important too, as far as Joe goes, I remember when the fear came out and Joe was like, man, Jeff Gretz is just like a fast double bass drummer or whatever, you know, like he's just going to do that. He's just going to play fast double bass and, 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 and let, that's all he's good for or whatever. This was the record where Joe was like, okay, Jeff Gretz is a, is a fantastic drummer. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> he, he, you know, he's, he's like, I know, I know I said some things, but Jeff Gretz did it. He didn't change Romance of the Southern Spirit. He kept the actual, no pun intended, spirit of the song uh, exactly what it needed to be. He, he, he showed off his full uh, arsenal of talents on this record. And I think it's kind of a shame because Awake has some amazing songs on it. But for whatever reason, it is one of the most disliked Zayo albums. I believe what I said was he's just playing spastic over the top fast, and it's hard to follow what he's doing. I hope he can play like that to a metronome. And if they ever record Romance of the Southern Spirit, they better not fucking change the beat. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> and then Jeff was like, here, Joe. Is You're welcome for you. <laughs> That's right. Jeff Gretz came to my house. He was like, look, I want to make sure I get this beat perfectly right. And I said, you got it, dude. Go for it. It's exactly what happened. Write it down. Disclaimer. <laughs> that did not happen. <laughs> so I, I think what's what's really fun about this record for me is that like uh, this was a transitional period because Zayo had been on a very long hiatus uh, between this record and the and the fear. Maybe it was like two years or something. But I was really, really happy that they were able to pull it together and put out this record in a package. And I got like I got I got the awake shirt and the album. I like this record, man human cattle masses moving forward awesome this yeah, record has some of yeah this song has some of dan's best lyrics and i think it's overlooked by people because i think everybody really liked the fear and they wanted that from zeo and so whenever they come back with awake it's like are these just leftover songs from funeral of god be honest but they're not really like awake has its own atmosphere it has its own kind of theme like running throughout and and to be totally honest like i love it i i think that like the record sounds weird it sounds kind of spacey it sounds kind of like trans-dimensional um yeah look up trans-dimensional let me know what what comes up because i just made <laughs> to describe the album but like i don't know i i think it's really really cool and it's grown on me several times uh in the in the couple of uh, episodes that we've done on zeo I do, I do really think that this album is special and it is very much an overlooked hidden gem, especially like the last song um, where he's talking about a friend's suicide. Like it's very powerful. And Dan does a lot of that, like super deep, like almost monotone, like uh, just where he's going to just talk to you stuff. And I think on this record, and I think that like it's it's very powerful and can't cannot be ignored. I think that that's an aspect of Dan's voice that I think is somewhat underreported on. 
and it's very classic Zayo to just write that melodic piece that isn't a song. It's an idea. It's an emotion trying to be conveyed on a recorded medium. Yeah, when he jumps in with that part where he's like, and there is a prison in my mind, death is inside of us. Reality changes around us. Like, I mean, this is peak Zayo. This is yeah. this is incredible. And if you're not giving this album a chance for some stupid reason, um, like you're wrong. You're just straight up wrong. Like Awake is a is a fantastic Zayo record. Uh so we I talked about stupid reasons. I have one stupid reason uh why this album kind of like isn't at the top of my list. And that's because of the symbols. The symbols are so loud and piercing on this record <laughs> that I can't even listen to the CD. I had to burn myself a copy of the MP3 mixes of this album, and for whatever reason, the loss in quality makes the drum makes the uh, makes the cymbals not so piercing, and so it's easier for me to listen to. I will not listen to the source CD of this because for whatever reason, those cymbals just ruin it for me. I'm sorry, Jeff. It's how I feel. <laughs> I don't know. It didn't bother me, but, you know, I think uh, whatever you get delivered over Spotify or things like that, you know, that it changes, you know, all that stuff with compression and everything. So absolutely. Don't you have yeah. the CD? I used to, but I got rid of most of all my physical media because you know, past seven years, I've moved like four or five times. So, but I mean, <laughs> I know it just like, I know it just shit on it, but like, you gotta get the CD. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I used to have it. I mean, absolutely, I absolutely, absolutely, like burn it anymore. to lower quality. Do that. <laughs> but I mean, but I mean, it's the CD. It's awesome. I know what record Dan has been waiting to talk about this whole time. I got something to show you guys. Uh -oh. I got to show you guys. It's gonna undo the camera cover and. <laughs> Somebody said Joe looks like he's having so much fun while he records the podcast. That's because I'm always listening to the songs. I need context. Yeah, I wish we could play that over the stream. Yep, me too. Have that, yeah, for everything. It's taking a long time to dig this surprise out. He's gonna undo the camera cover, and there's just gonna be blood everywhere. No, no. <laughs> be like, what happened? <laughs> 2003 Dan says listen to Zayo yeah he does <laughs> when should. does Dan not say listen to Zayo you should <laughs> always listen to Zayo Dan what are you getting get over it it's fine oh that's heavy so heavy alright I'm back 2016 the well intentioned virus this is the well intentioned virus oh there you go autographed by every single member of the band. Okay, it's not that impressive, but it's awesome. <laughs> okay? Like, seriously, tell 2003 me that I have this. <laughs> 2003, you would die. <laughs> Dude, bro, I'm not even gonna, like, check this out. <laughs> guys, guys, guys. So when we did the original Zayo episode, the well-intentioned virus had like not been out for that long. And I was like, it's good. It's great. It's wonderful. It's awesome. And I'm not going to like tell you it was a piece of garbage because it's not. It's amazing. You guys might find this hard to believe, but Zayo had gone through a uh, another bit of a hiatus <laughs> during <laughs> think? between between Awake, which I think was like, what, 2008, 2009, something like that. They had gone through somewhat of a hiatus of a band and 
I didn't think that there was going to be like anything new. And then they come across and they're like, hey, we've got this uh, we've got this album. It's called The Well-Intentioned Virus. It's on our own label, Observed Observer. And we're going to release it on vinyl and we love it. And we think it's amazing. And you know what, guys? I, I kind of thought the same thing. What did you guys think before I talk for 12 hours? <laughs> what did you guys think of The Well-Intentioned Virus? Buddy, you go first. Yeah, I think at first it didn't grab me because um, I felt like it sounded it, it sounded different than their than the Zao I'm used to. But, you know, upon second, third listen, like through, it really grabbed me. And yeah, it's it's a really fantastic album. Um, I think if anything, for me, um, I'm, I still it runs together in some spots, but all the songs are fantastic. I was shocked to hear the band that put out Awake, who followed it up with a two-song EP, Xenophobe and Fear Itself, which I already told Dan, he gets five minutes at the end of the show to talk about all the EPs and splits and whatever he can get in in those five minutes. All five minutes. He gets to talk (laughs) about those EPs. That was the more shocking thing to me. It was the band basically doing what they did on the fears what keeps us here but not exactly that there are multiple points on the awake album where you hear the new zeo they're not fully realized but they are here the well-intentioned virus to me is truly a new era of the band whatever is going on in that camp of five dudes This sounds like the onslaught of dirge that everyone expects when they hear Zayo. I asked myself, is the well-intentioned virus a good album if you take out everything that has occurred before it? And the answer was yes. If this was the first album I heard by Zayo, it would be unique in my eyes. I know there are influences there. I know there's neurosis in there. I know there's carcass in there, but this doesn't sound like anything else. So I have this record compartmentalized in my mind as this is a different era of the band. I don't think of this Zeo as the same Zeo that put out Blood and Fire or Self-Titled or Funeral of God. So I get the privilege of listening to the band that I want to listen to on that particular day. And I think the Well-Intentioned Virus is an onslaught of dirge. I love listening to it. Dan, it's all you, man. Go for it. He's still showing off his vinyls. (laughs) Gentlemen, the Well-Intentioned Virus is the accumulation of everything that this band has gone through up to this point. Like, do you feel me on that? Like, this is a band that has been around forever that is not resting on their laurels. They are not making, like, musical decisions based on their past success. The Well-Intentioned Virus sounds unlike any other Zayo album that we've heard before. Um, And I actually had a co-worker recently, like, hey, um, you're talking about Zayo a lot. Like, what's up with that? Um, and I was like, you got to listen to the well-intentioned virus. And I actually even like, I actually even like was like, okay, I know that you need to like, I know that you need to be in a certain mindset, but like this band 
is not like every time you listen to a Zaya record, you're never going to hear the same record again. And the well-intentioned virus is actually a step forward. Let me ask you guys, do you feel like there's any song in the Zayo discography that's more of a banger than Xenophobe? Because I'd like to hear it. Like, go ahead. Let's hear it. More of a banger? Unfair. More of a banger. Because no era of the band is the same. I mean, I agree, but are they more of a banger than Xenophobe? I don't know. I still uh, I still really like me some five-year winner. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> but you're wrong. <laughs> because Xenophobe, and I'll even throw it out there, the Well-Intentioned Virus, the title track, is one of the heaviest, most uncompromising Zayo songs I've ever heard in my life. It just is. When they play this live, I go crazy. Like, I lose my mind. And by lose my mind, I mean I stand in the back with my arms crossed. Your toes start tapping. My toes tap. They don't tap to every song, but they tap to the well-intentioned virus and to xenophobe <laughs> and to apocalypse. This is their magnum opus, man. Like, there's, there, there's literally no other way to describe it. This record is the pinnacle of what Zayo has been building up to. And I've had a few years with this record. If I haven't been obvious enough, I have the record. The record. I've had it signed by all the band members. I've annoyed them after the show. I'm like, hey, Russ, can you sign this record for me? And he's like, yeah, Dan, but let me roll up these cables. And I'm like, no. <laughs> You're not going to roll up those cables. You're going to sign my record. <laughs> and he's like, I mean, okay, cool, but do you have a Sharpie? I was like, yeah. I have a Sharpie because I stole it from Travis Turner, who I totally said I'd give it back to, but I'm not going to. <laughs> okay, that's what's going to happen. Um, this record is is, is absolutely a, a, a sonic journey through the mind of craziness. And I think really one of the best tracks on it is the final track, I Leave You In Peace, because it is Dan kind of talking about like Christianity and his relationship with the church and all of those things where he's like, look, I'm not really about this kind of stuff anymore, but um, I guess I understand why you are. So like, I leave you in peace. Like, I don't want to have anything to do with it really, but like, I'm going to just going to go do my own thing over here. And I hope that like, that's what you guys also want to do. And that's really all that it is. And um, I don't know, man, this record like really gives me a peaceful feeling when I get to the end of it. And I feel really good about it. And, and it is, everything that I wanted from the band after waiting for such a long time, because like, I'm not going to lie to you guys. So like I had kind of some issues back in like 2015 before the circuit came out, I was in the hospital under suicide watch and, and all of that stuff. And I remember talking to a psychologist after I got out of the hospital and she was like, well, what are some things that you're looking forward to? And as stupid as this sounds, I was like, yeah, well, I mean, my favorite band just got back together <laughs> and they're going to put out this record and I'm really excited about it. And I don't want to end it all before I hear that. And it's not putting my own like personal bullshit in front of like Zayo. Like it's not their fault or anything like that. But like I was at a very low point in my life and this record absolutely helped me like get back to like standard operation for me you know and so it's very important to me in that in that sense like it i, I don't want to like i'm not going to make some stupid claim like it's the only reason i'm still alive or anything like that because it's not 
you know, like I realized the value in, in, in living and, and being there for my family and my kids. Like I realized all that, like for myself, but this record definitely didn't hurt things. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it definitely made me feel good about everything that we have going on. And, and for that, I applaud the band like 1000%. Like, you know, because it's like, there's not a lot of things that I can count on in life. But I can count on the fact that my favorite band is still doing the damn thing. And I, and, I, and I love them for that. And I hope that they continue to do that thing. And no, I'm not saying like I'm going to like kill myself if they don't. <laughs> like, I'm not saying that. But it, it was a very important record to me. And it definitely came out at a time that was very important to me. Dan, are you ready to talk about EPs? So top that. <laughs> All right, Dan. EP time. You have five minutes to talk five about minutes. every EP. Every split, everything that does not fall into the main discography. And just to prove I'm serious, I'm going to give you five minutes and five seconds. When you hear the rooster crow, that's the end of it. Go. Okay. So I don't have all my seven inches in front of me, you know? I mean, you know, bro, I always have seven inches in front of me, if you know what I'm talking about. But like, um, I do like some of the EPs are fantastic. So I'm going to start with, uh, I'm going to start with, uh, the Zeo Training for Utopia split EP, which has a version of Five Year Winter on it that blows the album version completely out of the water, man. It's got Ryan Clark from Training for Utopia and Demon Hunter uh, on... <laughs> like on this on this recording and ryan clark does awesome the the pace of the song is a lot faster than uh than what the album version is and i love the crap out of five year winter or not five year winter uh skin like winter because of that right um the other ep i'll talk about is the uh zeo treadwater ep it's um one zeo song and some song by another band that i don't remember right now um because i don't listen to the zeo tracks it's a Sean. It, it, it's a Eric Reader track, and it is awesome, and I love it, and it's amazing. But yeah, I love it. Uh, anyway, uh, that's a good one. And then uh, there's also the uh, the um, Pyrrhic Victory EP, which came out right after the Well Intentioned Virus, and I've got that somewhere here. So these songs were um, these songs were, as far as I understand, were leftovers from the Well Intentioned Virus. If Jeff's, if Jeff's listening to this, he'd be like, no, you're wrong. Uh, but like, yeah, the, the, this EP is incredible. Like listen to Pyrrhic Victory. It is some of the heaviest Zayo material ever, like ever released. And it's awesome. Uh, another, another kind of offbeat release recently was the uh, reformat reboot record by Zayo. And uh, this record was released in a variety of different uh, formats I actually have the uh, vinyl picture disc here, and um, oh, it goes that way. But uh, yeah, this thing is cool. It's like a whole bunch of like uh, industrial, um, like techno remixes of Zayo albums, and uh, it's definitely worth your time. If you ever wanted to hear a more banging version of Xenophobe, this is it. This is absolutely it. I, I love this remix album. And uh, I think it's really cool. I didn't ask for a Zayo remix album. I didn't even know it was something that I wanted, but apparently it was because I listened to the crap out of this thing. I love it. 
Um, and yes, the band famously put this record on a Nintendo cartridge, but you know, in true me fashion, I don't have that type of Nintendo. So the version, the Nintendo that I have won't actually play it. And I didn't get the cartridge because I suck. So I got the picture disc. So you got, y'all are just going to have to deal with it. Okay. I don't care if anybody else has the cartridge. I don't care. I'm happy with my picture disc. The end game over. They also put out a split, uh, a split seven inch with a band called Yashira, which is really, 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 really good. And uh, I, I really enjoy that one quite a bit. It's only one song. And then I also have, uh, I also have the decoding transmissions from the Mobius strip, which is a two song, uh, a two song kind of EP sort of thing from Zayo. And it has a song called I saw the devil on it. And it is incredible. Because, like, I remember talking to Buddy not that recently. Well, no, it was recently. And and I was like, you know what I love? I love bands that are consistent. And so I like bands that, you know, kind of keep a common theme. A lot of bands change. A lot of bands do different things over time. But the thing about Zayo is they always kind of remain the same. So whenever he starts that song with, I saw the devil in the woods when I was a child. <laughs> like I was like, yep, yep, it's peak Zayo. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for this band to put out another album. I am sitting in anticipation. I love Zayo. You love Zayo. If you don't, you're wrong. The end. There we go. I had 10 seconds left on the clock. Did you sneak in your final thought there at the end? Nope. Final thoughts on Zayo. Buddy. I mean, what else is there to say? We've talked about it for three hours now. Uh, Zayo is freaking fantastic. And pretty much... I if I can't pick what I want, I just am going to put the entire band on shuffle and just it. There's nothing to skip. Maybe 15 Rima. I might skip that one. Uh, <laughs> but otherwise, uh, pick an album and you're going to enjoy it. I, I don't think there's anything you there's any way to go wrong in their entire discography. I don't think everybody is going to like everything in the discography, but I don't think there is a metal fan that will listen to the discography and find something that is just absurdly bad. You might ask questions if you're not familiar with the story of the band or why did this record on the discography sound this way, but that's okay because that's why we have the entire discography to listen to. Zayo is the ultimate good God. My friend likes this band and they won't shut up about it. So whether or not I truly like Zayo, I no longer know the answer to because my love for this band and my joy when I go and see them live is heavily influenced by my good friend, Dan. Dan is like my best friend. Dan is like my brother. Dan was the best man at my wedding. He threatened people on that day. It was beautiful. So if you have a friend who has ever loved a band so much that they just will not let it go, even long after you gave in and listened to it, and even after you spent more time than you ever would listening to any band to try and get it, Zayo is the band that I got. I don't put up with Zayo. I like Zayo. And I put a lot of time into finding what I loved about Zayo because the people around me told me it was a good band and I should be listening to that band. So if you are not listening to that band today, I am your friend. I am that guy. I am telling you, you need to listen to Zayo. And now 
Discuss Metal Dan will give you his current, because it would never be final, symposium on Zayo. Final thoughts, Discuss Metal Dan. Greatest band in the entire world. Is that all you got? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> is there anything else to say? I mean, I've ate up three hour, three and a half hours of your time tonight because I'm trying to trying to push a message on you guys. Zayo's the real band. If you're not sure about how you feel about metalcore, I get it, man. There's a lot of really bad metalcore out there. Zayo is not that band. Zayo is the band that will change your life if you give them the chance to do so. If you're a fan of more mainstream metalcore music that has choruses and all that, Zayo's that band for you. If you're a religious person and you only like Christian metal bands, Zayo is still also that band for you. Um, if you're the kind of person that just likes really intense, honest music, Zayo is that band for you. They can't do any wrong. They, they, they think very hard about the decisions that they make and they make tons of sense to me. If you like this band, that practically makes us family. So listen to Zayo and I'll shut up about it now because we did two episodes. Okay. Buddy, what's your album of the week? Mm, Blood and Fire. I've been spinning Zayo even before Dan asked me to pitch in on the episode. Um, I've been spinning Zayo for like the past two weeks and Blood and Fire is what I keep coming back to. Dan, what about you? The Mechanical Hand by Horse the Band. Nintendo and Core and also the Well-Intentioned Virus. You better fucking write both of them down. (laughs) For me, it's Zayo. The funeral of God, because all hail the glory that is Steve Peck. And this is where we say, take us out, DFT. Oh, it's coming. Take us out, DFT. If you have ever been listening to this podcast and you feel like, you know what? They've been talking about this band or they've been talking about that band. I want them to talk about my favorite band. Forget about Zayo. Forget about Dan's favorite band. I want to hear your guys' unvarnished opinions on a band. Dude, reach out to us. I'm not a mind reader. I don't know what your favorite band is. You got to tell me. You got to tell me. Okay? And there's a lot of different ways you can do that. You can reach out to us on facebook.com slash discography discussion. You can send us an email at show at gmail.com. You can send us a tweet or you can tweet at us or whatever the kids say these days at Discuss Metal or at me personally, Discuss Metal Dan. Uh, you can join our discography discussion official group, which is on Facebook. You can also join our Discord server. There'll be a link in the show notes that'll take you to our Discord server. There's all kinds of way that you can reach out to us. So please do so. We appreciate you. We love you. Thank you so much. If you want to represent discography discussion on the street, you can check out our merch store at teespring.com. We have a link in the show notes that'll take you to a variety of discography discussion related items that you can buy. Seriously, buy that hoodie. It's getting cold outside. I have a discounted tour. I'm not even making any money off of it. Buy the hoodie. I'm going to buy the hoodie. You should buy the hoodie. Discography discussion. Check it out. Discussmetal.com. We've got everything you need. You can listen to us anywhere. Thank you guys so much. And on that note, this has been episode 196 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. 
Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have some sweet perks. Give me that their money. One dollar a month gets you into that exclusive album review feed. 